Hey everybody, this is the Timmy Time and the Bat Fan Revolution podcast, episode number 75. This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network. Did I do it, Tim? You did it. Isn't that name just growing on you every time you say it? Yeah, it's not a tongue twister for anybody. (laughs) Timmy Time and the Bat Fan Revolution, and it's not too much to remember either. No, like we... Like we described it before, it sounds like an old like uh, rock band name. <laughs> that if you're a big fan of them, you would re- you would remember it. <laughs> well, unfortunately, we don't have the fans. We only have Mike and Alex, and unfortunately, Corbin. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, right. That was his official new title. Unfortunately, Corbin. Yeah, unfortunately, Corbin, because unfortunately, it's Corbin. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. But I've said the the beginning part correctly, and I said this podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network within our allotted time, right? Oh, yeah, you got you were way ahead of schedule and everything. Okay, okay, so, good. It sounds like you've been podcasting for a while. <laughs> with that, it's perfect... only been like five years, Tim. <sighs> five or so years. Um, but yeah, this is the Timmy Time and the Batfan Revolution podcast. This is episode number 75. And if this is your first time listening to this podcast, first, we have to apologize. And second, <laughs> thanks for listening to this podcast because, you know, it's good to know that it's, I don't know, too. What is it good for? <laughs> it's it's good, good to know that we're not alone in this world. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. It's good to know that we're not there's people actually listening to this. So <laughs> you, gave him, you gave them an apology and a thank you. I mean, yeah. what's better than that? Yeah, you see, uh, I've already compli- not complicated. I've already complimented our new listeners. Yes, yeah, so, so you got yourself covered real good. Yeah. But I do have to give you a thank you, Dane. Uh-oh. What did I do right? Uh, last week, I wasn't having the best of days, but you sent me this <laughs> link of a music video from the 80s that <laughs> just... Busted me up laughing of how bad it was. Rock Me Tonight by um, uh, Billy Squire. <laughs> yes. That's... Um, that video, oh man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it actually ruined his career. I mean, he, he was considered like a serious rock guy, like, you know, this hard rock kind of guy. And... You wouldn't know it by that video. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Like, <laughs> Well, I mean, first off, he rips off his shirt. Then he puts on, like, a pink leotard. Well, first he wakes up from bed. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah. Then he just starts doing these horrible dance moves. Yeah, it's like the, it's like the terrible white guy dance yeah. moves is, is what it is. Just envision that in your mind, listeners. And that's what he's doing. And he rips off his shirt. And, you know, he puts on a pink leotard for some reason. I mean, I, I don't get that move. And like pe- people were calling him gay. People thought he was gay and stuff. And like, like a lot of his fans stopped listening to his music because of that music video. <laughs> and the funny part is, is that he's taking it so seriously too. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, he's, coolest thing ever. <laughs> he's really sincere in that video. I mean, he's pulling off some moves I've never seen in my yeah. life. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, it's so unfortunate that that music video ruined Billy Squire's career, but. In defense of him, he has gone on record and said that 
he was jet lagged. He just wanted to get that music video done and was willing to do anything just to get it out of the way, uh, get was, off of his schedule. But it, that sounds like a bad ex- excuse. Yeah, if that it's was like, the case, all he had to do was just do a music video where uh, he's like the band's just playing on some set, and that's all the video could be. You didn't have to do all those <laughs> dance moves and yeah. ripping off his shirt and all that, or like do it. Other, it's like almost every band has a video like this where they just take stock footage from different concert venues and they just like. Uh, mont- put it like a montage and put the song over it <laughs> that's like the uh, like it's when a band needs to put a music video out that's the quickest fastest way to do it just take concert footage and put this thing <laughs> over it i mean it's like anything anything was better would have been better than that yeah that is- paint drying would have been better than that <laughs> <laughs> oh man so yeah if you everyone wants a good laugh check out that video because it definitely yeah. brightened my day up when i saw that <laughs> yeah if if you're feeling down you're feeling the blues just put on some Billy Squire's Rock Me Tonight music video. You can find it on YouTube, thankfully. Um, and it'll cheer you right up. That's what I do. Every time I'm feeling down, feeling depressed, I just look at I just watch that music video and it makes me feel better because no matter how bad your day is, no matter how much crap you have to deal with throughout your day, just remember at least you didn't make that music video. Yeah. <laughs> That is not on your resume. <laughs> yeah, that's it's not it's not you in that video. So I would highly recommend if you're feeling down and out and stuff, you know, check out that music video because it'll cheer you right up. Yes, it will. I could speak from firsthand experience. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, speaking of music videos, uh, bad music videos, let's get to some some good things. Yes, please. <laughs> Damn, that was that was a bad segue, Tim. Uh, oh, how about instead of doing a Dark Knight Rises minute by minute commentary, we can do a minute by minute commentary of that video. <laughs> That's gonna be next. Well, I I like to save that music video for when I'm feeling down because That's true. You know, if if you get into a habit of, you know, constantly watching something or doing something, then it loses its specialty. Yeah, it won't have the same impact. Yeah, yeah. So Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to do that because, you know, if you feel down, you got to keep it special. (laughs) Yeah, you got to keep it special. Uh, But yeah, we're going to do our Dark Dark Knight Rises minute by minute commentary stuff thing. That's what we call it now. Uh, We're going from minute 29 to 30. So this is a huge, huge milestone, Tim. We've done this for 30 episodes. Yeah. (laughs) And who would have guessed we would have made it that far? And. We're half an hour in, finally. And we just might make it out of the scene that we've been, I think, on the last five episodes. <laughs> John Blake and Bruce Wayne. Hey, it's a long scene, and John Blake does a lot of talking. A lot of talking, unfortunately. For us, for us, doing the com- minute-by-minute commentary. But if you were to watch it just straight through, it's good. Yes. So, um, yeah, we're going from minute 29 to 30. So just queue up your stuff. And I'm going to give the countdown. So, Tim, are you ready? I am set. All right. Three, two, one, hit play. So we know... Walking away. You still believe her in the Batman, that's for sure. Like, Bruce Wayne doesn't even care about that. He's just like, he cares about, like, the foundation. (laughs) So that was, like, his first response. So, like, isn't there any money going to that? Maybe it was his second concern after that, but... And Blake has left the house. 
Good. We're in a new scene. <laughs> scene's almost done. It's almost done. There's still a Wayne Manor. That's but we got Alfred in there. Yeah. <laughs> and then this is, we'll see if we make it there. But Bruce is telling him, like, or no, that's, that's later. I was thinking of something else because he's just that's a bad cave. No, like before he asked oh. what hospital Jim Gordon is in. Oh. Because I think pretty sure that's at a different time but we're not going to find out on this episode oh no we're not we still haven't made it out of wayne manor yet i mean this is like i guess this this will be the sixth episode we're at wayne manor yeah <laughs> because man <laughs> this is I, I a think long we'll scene next one though <laughs> will we i think so because if I, yeah, the, the part I was talking about with Alfred, yeah, it's coming up in that same thing. I, I was getting confused with something but, <laughs> with another section, but we'll just, just have to, to wait think. till the next episode to find out what that was. Yeah, but I'm just trying to think. What's the longest scene? I mean, what's the longest scene going to be that you know it's going to be like 11 episodes until we're finally finished <laughs> with it? Mm. I want to say the Bane Batman fight, but the the end one, the last one. Or no, the, the sewer the, fight, the middle one. Oh, the you sewer. know what? Maybe the whole last sequence when uh, Batman gets in the bat and he's chasing down the tumblers with Talia inside. Oh, yeah, Only yeah. by that, when that starts, by the time he flies off with the bomb, that might be pretty lengthy. And Talia's, like, weird death yeah. thing <laughs> <laughs> that she does. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's her minute-by-minute minute, <laughs> minute uh, Dark Knight Rises commentary thing stuff. The landmark episode is done. Yeah. <laughs> Till the next Unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately, we got like 30 more minutes until we see Batman. Uh, yeah, just wait till we get to actually hit an hour when we hit the 60 minute uh, point. <laughs> we have to throw it's, a party. It's like I can't even think about that stuff. <laughs> you know why? Because it's like, it's kind of like going to Mount Everest and like hiking up. And then you're like, oh man. Am I at the peak yet? And then you realize you're still in the parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my god. Uh, still going to the mountain. Uh, I know. So, so I think we need to like section our goals a little bit nearer to each other. Yeah. How about the 45 minute point? That yeah. Yeah. I was, I was thinking about 15 minute intervals. Yeah. That's not like, right. Yeah. But anyway, um, Tim, why don't you tell the good people at home? Or at work, or on the toilet. Maybe you listen to this podcast when you're on the toilet. I mean, it's fine. It's cool. Um, but why don't you tell them about our future topic for this episode? Yeah, so for this episode, our future topic is finally coming from one of our listeners who suggested a, a topic that we would discuss. This has come from Mark Lemke. I hope I'm pronouncing that last name right. I, it looks familiar and sounds familiar. Cause I think that was an Atlanta Braves second baseman <laughs> during like their '90s run. I remember the last name. Yeah, Lemke. Lemke. <laughs> if I pronounce but it right, it's the same. Yeah. Why did you give his name? Maybe he's like Mike on on the run from the wall <laughs> or something. Maybe he's like a you know what you know who he is. Or he, I was thinking about this. Uh, Mike. He lives in Australia, right? Have you realized the Zodiac uh, uh, murders stopped back <laughs> in the 90s? But, and Mike doesn't live in America anymore. 
Oh, this is another conspiracy brewing. <laughs> See, we we haven't confirmed if Mike ever lived in America or if he always lived in Australia. So, I don't know. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> those Zodiac murders were pretty bad. And the killer was never caught. So, I'm just saying Mike, Mike might be the uh, Zodiac. And you're just singling them out against all the other millions of people who aren't living in <laughs> living in California. Yeah. Um, uh, but maybe Mark Lemke yeah. is actual the Mark Lemke. I mean, he doesn't do much after baseball, so you never know. What is he doing? That's the thing. I don't know. <laughs> I've oh, never heard of. Like, did it do, like, I don't think he's like a brave announcer or anything, or does any baseball shows. Just kind of fell off the yeah. radar. Mm. But he got his ring, so I'm sure he's happy. <laughs> what did he get his ring? 95, that's when the Braves won. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's right, right. But Mark sends us, uh, he sent us an email suggesting that we do an episode where the future topic was about um, some Batman books, to comic books to suggest for any new readers who want to jump on to the comics and, you know, how there's tons and tons of Batman comics. It could kind of be daunting if you're looking for a place to go. So we thought we'd offer suggestions on some good places to start. And we've this always comes up between time to time, like with questions for people who are bad fans and maybe who've seen the movies or TV series and kind of want to know, I want to get into comics, what's a good place to start? And there's some suggestions that you could, uh, or books that you can suggest, but uh, we never really on this podcast kind of dive deep into it as far as a few books I would make uh, for some good ones to start off for new readers. So to kick it off, I'm going to go ahead and, go with I think is the essential and probably the obvious ones to go to if you never read a Batman comic book before. You just saw either the Nolan trilogy or even the Tim Burton ones with Michael Keaton or the animated series, whatever, and you want to get your first Batman comic. I think most Batman fans would agree and say that probably the best one to go to would be Batman Year One. I mean, it tells the story of Bruce first donning the suit of Batman and you don't get the... you get the origin uh, told in there, but it's told a little differently because we know it's kind of Jim Gordon's story too. But you see Bruce coming back to Gotham City. You don't get much of his training and you get some flashbacks with his parents' murder, but it's really focusing on like when he's back and just getting everything he can to prepare himself for his new life and becoming a crime fighter. And you, of course, you see the classic scenes of him before he actually donned the Batman suit and going on patrol. So Batman Year One is really, I think, the essential one to read first as you're dumping and diving into the world of Batman comics. And following that, I like to think this is like kind of the trilogy of uh, Batman comics you should read. It's technically not a trilogy, but if you combine three, it adds into one, <laughs> it kind of makes it a trilogy. But here's how I go. <laughs> Batman year one, and then following that to get like the origin story, not the origin story, or the first appearance of the Joker in Gotham, you should go with The Man Who Laughs. I mean, it's kind of a retelling of Joker's first appearance in Batman number one, and it does a great job. So that would be one for Joker. But then after that, you'd want to go into like the, I'll just call it the Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale trilogy of books, The Long Halloween, Haunted Night, and Dark Victory. Because yeah, Especially uh, Long Halloween, because yeah. it, it, especially if you saw uh, The Dark Knight, because oh, yeah. there's, there's a lot of scenes lifted straight from that book. It's a long book, but I mean, it's it's... Pretty much, if you like The Dark Knight, you're going to love that book. Yeah, what's good about it, too, and this is kind of why I group all these books together, because they're great starting points for the villains, too. you got Batman Year One, which gets you set up with Batman and Gordon. 
then you get the Manu Glass for Joker, and then the long Halloween, you get the story of Harvey Dent and the Two-Face. And there's some other villains who pop up in there. You don't really see their origin stories. But some of them you don't need to find out every single one in detail in this story. You get the idea of it. And then with Dark Victory, you get the origin story of uh, Robin, Dick Grayson becoming Robin and becoming Bruce Wayne's ward. So those are kind of the big focal points to start off with when you're going into Batman comics because all the main characters' stories are told in these books for the most part. I mean, Batman has tons of characters, so it's not going to cover everything. But I think for the essentials and the good starting off point, you'd want to read these, um, I guess it would be five books because you got Haunted Night, which is it's a really cool story with uh, Batman going up against Mad Hatter, Scarecrow, and Joker. And there's some great flashback sequences in there with uh, Bruce Wayne and his mother, which I think kind of <laughs> gets underused a lot in stories. It's mainly Bruce and his father, Thomas Wayne. So there's some great sequences with uh, Bruce as the kid with his mother that really adds more to the death of his parents as you see it play out in the comics. So I think that's what Haunted Night's really good for. So right off the bat, if you're looking to jump into Batman comics, those would be five books I would recommend. Batman Year One, Man Who Laughs, Long Halloween, Haunted Night, and Dark Victory. So those are my first picks. The I know they're kind of easy ones, but <laughs> the, the ones that get the ball rolling on this discussion. So how about you, Dane? Does anyone like that book that jumps right into your mind as far as one that you would recommend for someone? Um, well, first off, I wouldn't recommend reading any of Frank Miller's stuff right off the bat. Interesting. Yeah, so, so you're saying because... not your one as the first book. Well, you're I mean, yeah, I would say year one, but year one re really isn't a Batman story. Um, but I would stay away from all the Frank Miller stuff because, I mean, especially the Dark Knight Returns. Because, yeah, not right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, th that's pretty heady and kind of hard to get into. I remember when I was, you know, when I started reading comics, I remember not be being, <coughs> excuse me. <laughs> don't get choked up now sorry no no i'm eating and podcasting at the yeah. same time <laughs> that's never usually a good combination no it's like drinking and driving or something um but i remember when i was a little kid i remember not being able to a understand it or b get into it i remember it, i mean it's just a wall of text and barely any you know any art it's just a bunch of text that is confusing, and then you have that question, oh, is this part of the canon, blah, 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 you know, stuff stuff like that. But I would recommend, it's it's a really, really long series. I think there was like seven or eight trades in total. But um, I'd say No Man's Land, because you got everybody in there. I mean, you got, yeah. you got Nightwing. Well, he wasn't Nightwing, right? Yeah, he was Nightwing. Oh yeah, that's right. He was Nightwing. You got the the uh, cast Batgirl, and you got a ton of Batman. So I, I'd probably say the Long Halloween. I mean, um, No Man's Land. Yeah, because like you were saying too, almost probably almost every Batman character is featured in some way in that story. Like you said, I mean, all yeah. pretty much all the villains have a part to play, and all the supporting cast members too. Yeah, yeah, and then you'll you'll see like. I don't know, Cassandra Kane, and maybe you don't know who that is, so you go look her up, and, oh, she, she used to be Batgirl, and then she handed off the staff, and, you know, stuff like that. And it's kind of something, too, where the main plot to get into 
I mean, of course, stuff happens that leads up to it, but the thrust of that plot is pretty easy to get into when you pick up the first uh, trade or issue that started that storyline off where the earthquake just desolated Gotham City. That's pretty much all you need to know. Yeah. And then uh, just pick up as it goes along. And if you like The Dark Knight Rises, I mean, the, the story is kind of lifted from there, mm-hmm. but um, it's a little different. But it's it's a great jumping off point, if you were to ask me. Yeah, that's a good one. And as I was thinking about this question and this Batman books in general, I kind of thought to myself, you know, it might be good to split certain stories into categories that people may want to start off with. So I gave my like essential first books to read, but then there's different ones where like books that you read if you want to know the history of Batman and like some landmark stories that almost every Batman fan should read. And maybe if you're like just fans of the Nolan trilogy, like we were talking about with No Man's Land and, or some, if you're a fan of the animated series and you want to get into stories that are more similar to that. So I kind of made a list where there were stories that I kind of put in those different categories. So if you were someone who wanted to get into Batman comics and to learn uh, the history of it, where, I mean, there's not one single story I'm book's going <laughs> to contain all the history of Batman and like his characters and all that. But one story, and I'm going to sound like a broken record again because you heard me talk about this over and over and over again, but it's the story that got me into Batman and got Nightfall. me... Nightfall. Close. Close, but no. <laughs> it's the Shadow story... of the Bat? Legends of the Night? Close. You'll know when I tell you. <laughs> the Untold Legend of the Batman. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember now. That was like my Batman history book as a kid. So if anyone wants to like find out just like DC history in a way too. What were some of like the original origin stories for Joker and Two Face and Batman, Robin, and Batgirl? It's all told in a three-part story, which, like I said, gave me all my information as Batman as a kid. And even though some origins aren't the same as that anymore, but like I said, it's kind of like a history lesson as far as like the classic tales of Batman and some of his villains are told in that story. And then. It tells the story, too, which I always loved and left an impact on me. What would Batman do if he confronted the man who killed his parents? Like, what if that actually got solved? So that's another, like, big selling point on that story that I like to say, too, because there's always different versions of it. Batman doesn't catch the killer, or if you go back to Batman 89, it's the Joker who killed his parents, and we don't want to get into that. But this one, it was there's a little more backstory to it, but reading it as a kid, it kind of left an impression on me where Batman was ever defined the identity of his parents killer this is how i like to see it play out so i recommend that and then also too if you want to go way back and see the very beginning of the batman there's a trade called the batman chronicles volume one and it goes on there's several volumes but volume one kicks off with detective comics number 27 so if you want to read the very first issue of batman it's told in that uh, volume of books and it has uh, detective comics number 27 and several issues following that and then it also has included in that trade the very first issue of Batman number one and several stories into that. So you, see, you get Joker's origin in there, his first appearance. Freaky Joker. Yeah, good <laughs> it's Joker. a freaky Joker, man. <laughs> it's a good Joker. <laughs> Catwoman's first appearance, Penguin's first appearance. A lot of classic uh, rogues from Batman's uh, rogues gallery are in those stories to see their very first appearance and what they were like. And some of them are pretty different. <laughs> it's pretty funny to go back and just look at the very, very early first stages of Batman. So as a history lesson, I'd recommend those books, The Untold Legend of the Batman and The Batman Chronicles Volume 1. Have, have you read some of those early stories, Dan? I'm curious. Like, Not necessarily that trade, but just like here and there when they get put in different volumes and stuff like that. Yeah, just random issues. 
like uh of course batman number one with the freaky joker and <laughs> uh tech number 27 and you know j- just a bunch of stuff i even read like some of the campier stuff like from um the 60s yeah <laughs> and man those are <laughs> looking back i mean i read them as when i was a kid and i liked them when i was a kid but now that i'm an adult it's like uh yeah, it's like yeah, you gotta. It's Batman's history, but when you look back on it, it's like he's come a long way. <laughs> and even in that volume, Batman Chronicles, Volume One, you do see the progression of the character from Detective Comics twenty seven up until the final uh, issue that's put in that collection, where he went through some changes this in a short period of time. So you get to see his evolution through that, which is cool. So that one I highly recommend. And then also, too, another section I put on there was like landmark stories as far as essential Batman stories you have to read if you really want to get into the comics. And I kind of put it in an order if you want to go, if you want to go chronologically with some of these stories. <laughs> so, so I'm sure I might be missing certain ones because I haven't read all of them. But as, for the, as far as the ones I've read, this might be a pretty good way to go about it if you want to kind of start at a certain point and then continue on throughout uh, – not necessarily the new 52, but pretty close to that point. So, like I said, we're going back to the beginning. We got Batman Year One and then Long Halloween, The Man Who Laughs. You'd read that. So, after Dark Victory, that tells the story of how Dick Grayson became Robin and how Batman and Robin came to be. So, the next point of that I would recommend would be to see uh, where Dick Grayson leaves and becomes Nightwing and Batman gets chased. Uh, Jason Todd becomes in the mix and becomes Robin. I believe those issues take place, I think, right after the last issue of uh, Year One, which was Batman 407. It continues with Batman 408, and I believe that tells the story of how uh, Dick leaves or quits as Robin and makes his way to becoming Nightwing, and then Batman encounters Jason Todd. So from there, you'd want to. I think the next essential story to read would be Death in the Family, of course, which. Spoiler alert, <laughs> if you don't know already, uh, where Jason Todd gets killed. And we know it was a big milestone in the history of Batman, and like a landmark story that changed the character for a while. So I would put that there. Then I would go with Batman, A Lonely Place of Dying, which tells the story of, uh, introduces Tim Drake and how he discovers Batman and Robin's identity and soon becomes the next Robin. Which Is there a trade for that? I believe there is. It's just called Batman: A Lonely Place of Dying. There's a trade. I think there's a collection of that. It's because I have the single comics, but they're falling apart. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that might be one you might want to pick up a trade for. Yeah, I know. Or or get it digitally or something. Yeah. <laughs> so that would be there, and then I would say next, as far as big stories, would be here's the one you're waiting for, Dane: Nightfall. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that is definitely an essential story to read if you're getting into Batman comics. Bane's introduced, he breaks Batman's back, and then causes a whole <laughs> trickle-down effect for uh, stories that last a long time after that. So and I just love, you know, I mean, anyone who's heard this podcast know how much I love that story. It was the first time I really got hardcore into collecting comics. So I would go Nightfall, and then after that, what you mentioned, Dane, No Man's Land, um, it's a good jumping-on point for because it takes place several years after Nightfall, but you can just jump right into it afterward. I think that's like the next big epic story that took place yeah. uh, for Batman in his world. So yeah, and then after you re- you read uh, No Man's Land, you can listen to the audio drama, which is really good. I've heard so many good things about that. I still haven't had a chance to read it or listen to it. I've heard <laughs> it's good, Tim. It's real good. 
the I heard a little bit of the Nightfall ones because remember on the Gotham Knights Online podcast they played yeah. a little bit of that. That was pretty good. Some of the voices, or it was Tim Drake. He had an annoying voice, like. Uh, like well, so did Bruce, kind of. He he had that sort of uh, Adam West, like, "Hey, Chung, how's it going?" Like, <laughs> That's like right. that. There is something about Tim's that voice that was the most annoying to me. <laughs> <laughs> I was wanted to mute it, but maybe let me know if I'm jumping too far here, Dane. But after No Man's Land, I had on my list for like a next big essential story to read would be Hush. That came out in 2004. Is there anything that comes to your mind that would happen before that that I'm missing, you think? Uh, not really. Okay. Not that I can think of. Yeah, maybe, some, maybe some of the Brian Azzarello stuff, but I think maybe that came after that. Yeah, that's what I'm not sure on. But as far yeah. as like a big storyline, Hush, I think, was the next big one. That's for Oh, um, any any issue that Alan Grant did, I'd, I'd recommend. Yeah, how long did he last till? wasn't that long i don't think was it before like the end of uh, the 90s or like did he make it to the 2000s or was it before i don't think no he didn't make it to to the 2000s i don't think he did anyway yeah well now we're losing all our comic credibility i know i remember uh, <laughs> no no because because i think he went oh, i think he went back to england started doing uh english english comics ah. or uh british comics he got sick of Batman. <laughs> yeah. So after No Man's Land, I had Hush, which was a big storyline, which might be good too because it features a lot of villains too. They don't have big roles, but Batman has some cool cool encounters with them, and it set the way for at least I think, which leads into for War Games, which is a really cool storyline, which is like a gang war that features Black Mask and some big things that happened with Spoiler and Leslie Tompkins and their relationship with Bruce. And that leads into Under the Red Hood, which, again, spoiler alert, if you listening to this and don't know some of the comic stuff that goes on, but shows the return of Jason Todd as the Red Hood, which kind of got hinted at in Hush. So that's why I think Under the Red Hood and War Games is a good follow-up to after you read Hush. So that's for... Mm, see, I'm confusing myself already. Because <laughs> after that, I have Batman and Son by Grant Morrison. After yeah. Red Hood. I'm pretty sure that was, at, at the most, a year or two after Under the Red Hood. Maybe not even that long. That's what I'm getting confused on. But Well, you know, go, going back to Hush, Hush has some of the best art by Jimmy oh, yeah. I've ever seen. I mean, especially like the flashback sequences to Tommy and Bruce's younger days. Yeah. You know, it looks like an oil painting. I love that shot where uh, Alan Scott Green Lantern comes out and they see him. They're like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah if you're looking for good artwork, which, I mean, of course, Jim Lee's known for that story. Yeah. I'll see tons of it. <laughs> so, yeah, after War Games and Under the Red Hood, I go with Batman and Son of. Because I think that, I'm pretty sure that would be the next big storyline that lasts a long time because you got batman and son like you could start with that which is batman issue 655 through the batman r.i.p storyline which is like goes up to batman 681 so you got almost about 30 good issues there <laughs> to go through to start grant morrison's run and then after r.i.p i think the next one to go to would be batman and robin which it's a pretty cool place to jump onto, even if you don't want to read all that Grant Morrison stuff, because it's starting a new era where Dick is Batman and Damien is Robin. And there are some great storylines in there, at least for Grant Morrison's run, which lasted through issues 1 through 16. And then if you wanted to stop there, that that would be fine, because 
I think that was like probably one of the last great Batman stories before the new 52 hit. And, Black Mirror. Uh, that's right. <laughs> See, good thing you're here, Dane. I how how could that you forget that? Yeah. Scott Snyder's big debut. <laughs> yeah. See, now I feel like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Black Mirror is like one of the best stories I've read in like the past the past 10 years. I mean, it's it's not Bruce's Batman, it's Dick is Batman, but it's yeah. just the way it's just the way, you know, Scott Snyder writes it. Um and he clearly he clearly shows that Dick is a different kind of Batman than, you know, Bruce. So that's a really great book yeah. to, to even start off on, I would say. Yeah, because as I mentioned to you, where you can just jump into Batman and Robin with Dick in, as Batman and Damien as uh, Robin, the Black Mirror storyline is a good complement to that because you could just treat them as two different cases that they're working on, kind of like Batman and Detective Comics, the two flagship Batman titles going on right now. At that point, uh, I would say Batman and Robin and Detective were the two flagship Batman titles going on at that point, because that's where the really yeah. good stories were being told with Dick Grayson as Batman. Yeah, it was some of the best Dick Grayson as Batman oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah. Just wish it could have lasted a little longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if you buy the trade, you won't be like Tim and I, where you know, like every single month we were waiting for that new issue to come. Because Scott Snyder would end it on like a cliffhanger and be like, oh, no, i got to wait another month. To see what happens. I know. <laughs> I, <laughs> I should go back. I don't have the trade, but I should just go back and read all those issues all together as one. I usually do that with Scott yeah. Snyder's stories. I haven't. I didn't do it with that one. Yeah, it's 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 a good storyline. It's so so good. <laughs> yeah. So I'll correct myself. That would be the last story you want to read before <laughs> the new Fifty Two <laughs> era kicks in. So yeah, to recap this portion for landmark stories, I'd go Death in the Family. Batman, a lonely place of dying. Yeah. Nightfall, no man's land, hush, war games, under the hood, and then to start with Grant Morrison's epic run, Batman and Son, up to R.I.P. and then Batman and Robin in the Black Mirror. I'd also say Gates of Gotham. Yeah, you can throw Did that. You say in. that? Well, that takes place um, after once Bruce comes back. Right. Right. So. I would. I mean, if you're going in this order that I laid out, that could be one too. You want to kind of throw in the mix of uh, Batman and Robin in the Black Mirror, but I wouldn't start off with that. I, I was like, that's something where I think you'd have to read uh, Grant Morrison's Batman and Robin run first before you get to Gates of Gotham. But okay, it's fine. It fine. It's a good story though. I'm not. I'm not denying that. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're liking all that stuff with uh, Dick Grayson as Batman, yeah, definitely check out Gates of Gotham. And then two. New 52 era, I mean, it's pretty much just, you're pretty much safe anywhere with any new arc you want to jump from. I mean, start. No, you're not. No, you're not, Tim. Well, okay, I'll say this. (laughs) I'll say this. Scott Snyder's run. (laughs) Because that's the constant one where you can jump on any arc and be okay for the most part, especially with the first one, Court of Owls. And then I think you'll probably get hooked just on that story arc and you'll continue on reading all of Scott Snyder's run on Batman from the New 52. But Detective is where you can have to <laughs> pick and choose. <laughs> That's the one where it's kind of tricky. I would say, yeah, to start off with... Uh, Bucciolato. Exactly. <laughs> the current <laughs> run on right now. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> but if you're going to go New 52 route, which could make it pretty easier for most people because it's like, that's what DC wanted. They wanted new readers to jump on there. So 
you really want to play it safe and not deal with all the continuity baggage, which I hesitate to say because DC tried to go both ways and have some continuity and a fresh start, and it didn't always work. So <laughs> it's not a truly, truly fresh start, but I don't think you'll go wrong if you start with Court of Owls in the New 52. But they really could have made it a lot easier if they did a whole refresh. <laughs> they really, I think, shot themselves in the foot with with that yeah but if you do a whole refresh then you lose killing joke and you you lose year one well they already lost year one. Oh yeah they killing joke i'm sure it, certain aspects of it will be lost soon. <laughs> that's if it's true we, if if it's true that's what makes it such a, a confusing thing sometimes <laughs> stupid to do continuity yeah. there's a whole other tangent i can go off on <laughs> yeah and i want to give another recommendation because you know i can't go without talking about Batman the Animated Series. <laughs> if you're a fan like me of the Animated Series and looking for a cool collection of Batman comics to jump into, um, there's a good batch of stories from the 70s, Batman Strange Apparitions. It's If you're familiar with the Animated Series and characters like Rupert Thorne and uh, Hugo Strange, those are characters that kind of had their uh, prominent stories in the Batman comics continuity, continuity in that time. And it also... Uh, started a new era for Bruce Wayne where he was out of the Batcave. He was living in his penthouse and he was started dating uh, Silver St. Cloud. So that's kind of another good place to jump on to if you want to get into the 70s era of Batman comics. I would hi- highly recommend that one too. Plus two, it tells uh, the origins of some animated series episodes like The Laughing Fish. So which if you read the episode or see the episode and read the comic, you'll just see how what a great job Bruce Damon Baldini did with adapting that storyline for the series. It's just really good. So I throw that one in there for anyone who watches the animated series and wants to get into some comics too. There's also a, a Clayface story in there too. That kind of gets a little underlooked because it's at the end. It doesn't kind of starts like a new story point from there. But it's still a great uh, version of Clayface, the Preston Payne one. I always liked his story. So it's all collected in Batman Strange Apparitions. Yeah, and I, I'd also recommend reading, I mean, uh, watching the Two-Face two-parter mm. before you read The Long Halloween. Yeah. Because they it's kinda, a great way. Yeah. yeah. Marry each other a little bit, too. Mm. Ah, good choice there. Well, you know what? Yeah. Just watch the Batman animated series episode and then read any comic with any character you like in there yeah. <laughs> see how either Batman the animated series improved on or took <laughs> inspiration from. Well, it's got the press and pain Clayface, right? Mm. So that's not who Clayface is right now, right? No, it's not, but they did yeah. take part of his story from where Matt Hagen in the animated series had, mm. uh, he was, his face was a little deformed from an accident where the Preston Payne one was kind of born with a deformity, so he yeah. used the clayface formula to kind of fix himself up and become a shapeshifter that way. So they did That's take gross, it. That's gross, man. <laughs> I remember watching that clayface episode um, and just being grossed out. You know, with that but, lotion. Yeah, especially, yeah. especially when they uh, Daggett's henchmen like dump it all in them in the car yeah. which makes them become clay like just the sound effects for it too <laughs> like, oh. makes you cringe when you hear it sometimes so yeah i would say to start though to start your batman reading uh, comic book uh, see, i can't even talk right to start your batman <laughs> comic reading those would be the issues to start off with hope I didn't make it sound too confusing and uh, you can go off this uh, list that i gave as far as 
essential books to read, landmark stories, a history lesson of Batman comics, and just first ones I think you should read. So hopefully it'll help you out a little bit. But um, Mark also, uh, in his email for the suggestion of a topic, he kind of wants to know, too, for some comic stories that influence uh, the Nolan trilogy for Batman Begins, Dark Knight, and Dark Knight Returns. And we touched on a little bit um, with No Man's Land. But for each movie, you can kind of break that down into certain groups, too. With Batman Begins, you would want to read Year One. And then the comic story called The Man Who Falls, which... If you remember, Dane, that story was packed in with the Batman Begins uh, DVD. Yeah, DVD. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really cool because it goes in. I think it's where Batman Begins took the inspiration for him in the beginning, where Bruce yeah, fell into the well. It's completely different, though. Because it is Thomas different. Wayne gets yeah. mad. <laughs> yeah, that's what really stood out to me. Like, man, Thomas was kind of a, a jerk. In jerk. That <laughs> yeah. It's like Batman Begins took that story point, but they made it a lot better with Thomas Wayne actually being concerned and compassionate to Bruce. <laughs> But it also features Henry yeah. Card in that story, too. So, what who was Liam Neeson? Was so, at um, first. Shadow of the Bat? Or, no, no so, sorry, uh, Le- Legends of the Night. Right? For the, That was where The Man Who Falls was in? or No, no, uh, for Batman Begins, because I can't remember which one it, it was. It was The Shaman. Um, okay, yeah, Legends so of the not, Dark Knight. Yeah. yeah, Legends of the Dark Knight. Sorry, no, I was thinking about the movie. See, Darn it, I'm getting confused. Legends of the no, no, Shadow of the like, Bat or Legends of the Dark Knight? It was Legends of the Dark Knight. Okay, I'm going to confirm this. Go, go ahead with your point. <laughs> I'm going to look it up real quick. No, no, because I remember they had the special covers for them. Yeah, right? I remember it wasn't like the cover of it was like a big bat. Kind of like his mouth almost looked like he was eating something in a way. I don't remember that, but... See, I, I might be getting Maybe. confused with something. Because I remember that. That was like some of the first comics I ever picked up, the sh- that that shaman uh, storyline. Yeah, I believe uh, Denny O'Neill did that one too, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, the he first did. Few issues of that. What was it called? Was it Shadow of the Bat? It's either Shadow of the Bat or Legends of the Dark Knight. <laughs> it's one of those two. Hold on. It, I mean, I don't know why I'm not remembering. <laughs> I know, I was like, we're confusing something that's making it, that's throwing us off a little bit. Oh, yeah, he did. Danny O'Neill did do, it's Legends of the Dark. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I would recommend that because it has that sort of mystical feeling that that you kind of get in the beginning of uh, uh, Batman Begins. Uh, I don't think I've ever read that story. I remember seeing it, like the cover for it. Yeah. might have gotten digitally because I think they were having like a special where certain books were free, like the first issue. Yeah. I think that one was on there. I can't remember. I have to check my digital collection now because I downloaded a bunch of books at one time and didn't necessarily <laughs> read them all at once. I think that might have been one of them. So, yeah, but yeah, good recommendation if it is like that where it has like the. Yeah, it's like a mystical kind of. Well, I mean, the storyline is called Shaman. Yeah. So. <laughs> um. But so yeah, those because I was just thinking too, Man Who Falls and Batman Year One, but there's three you could read for it. Yeah. In the Dark Knight, I have two for this one. Long Halloween, of course, like you mentioned, especially for the Harvey Dent, Jim Gordon, Batman dynamic. Yeah. They took almost straight out of a panel <laughs> in one of the scenes there. And then Batman Year One for the Joker. No one has said it too that that's kind of where they drew their main inspiration for the movie as far as how Joker will act. And once you read that comic, you'll definitely see how the Heath Ledger version of the Joker 
pretty much took is straight up ways to torment the citizens of Gotham from that storyline. I, I remember reading that yeah. first after I saw, or I saw, I read it a little bit before I saw Dark Knight because I know that's where they were um, saying that's where the inspiration is going to be. So when I finally saw the movie after I read it, I was like, oh, okay, I definitely see. Well, that's an inspiration. It was cool to see it brought to life on screen too, and the way they did it. Would you recommend Killing Joke for uh, Dark Knight? Only for uh, that's where it gets Joker's uh, origin stories. <laughs> yeah, I use stories the plural because I know the Dark Knight he had different versions and he made a point of that for to for his backstory and the Killing Joke. So yeah, it's not you probably won't notice similarities except for that one point in there. I would say, but I think yeah, that's a good one to throw in there. So yeah. You keep adding the third book to the <laughs> the two that I had. <laughs> but for Dark Knight Rises, I have three. Let's see if you had a four. Okay. You mentioned before No Man's Land, which right. is like how Gotham was at, at, during the middle and end of the Dark Knight Rises, just how it's just like cut off from the rest of the country. <laughs> Nightfall, of course. Nightfall, of course. That has to be on there. I mean, that fight, oh, it's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then the Dark Knight Returns, as far as telling the story of Bruce being retired and then coming back. I mean, they took a direct line from the police officer <laughs> <laughs> from that. So. Dark Knight strikes again. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> so I got those three. Can you think of another one? Dark Knight strikes again. No, I, I put the kibosh on that one. No. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe the long Halloween because it has a lot of Catwoman and um, Batman stuff. I mean, I, I, I'm just pulling from any place I can. <laughs> <laughs> Batman and Catwoman are in it, yes. <laughs> I guess yeah, if you wanted to stretch it, you could put it in there. But uh, Yeah, so those are the books, the essentials, if you want to know where Nolan got his influences for his movies. Year One, The Man Who Falls, and then now Legend of the Dark Knight, number one. And then Batman, number one, Long Halloween and Killing Joke, Dark Knight Returns, Nightfall, No Man's Land. You know, just thinking about it right now, this came, just came to me. Out of all, we know those are the stories they took from. What was the coolest sequence or inspiration that they took from those stories? When you saw it on screen, it's like, oh, okay, that's awesome that they did that and took it from that story. Well, I mean, it's, that, it's not a significant thing. Mm-hmm. But I remember seeing the rooftop scene in The, in, uh, the Dark Knight where Gordon and uh, Harvey and uh, Batman are on the roof. Mm-hmm. I just remember uh, seeing that and being like, hey, that's from the long Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I just love it when stuff like that happens. But for me, this is going to be no surprise to you, Dane, or anyone who's listened to podcasts before, but when <laughs> Bane picked up Batman and slammed his back on his knee, I lost it in the theater. Like, oh, man, they did it. They they did Nightfall right there. <laughs> that iconic <laughs> moment. It was like, oh, it was just so cool. And close second would be the at the end of Batman Begins with the Joker card. It, was, it wasn't uh, beat for beat for what happened at the end of year one, but it was pretty similar to it. But yeah, I don't think anything is going to top though what happened with Bane breaking Batman's back in the Dark Knight Rises because I wasn't expecting it. I expected Batman or Bane to beat Batman, but to actually do what he did at Nightfall, yeah, I was super psyched when that happened. <laughs> yeah, but the rooftop scene, I mean, it was literally taken from Long Halloween. I mean, yeah. almost word for word, but yeah, yeah for me. I don't, I don't know it wasn't word for it, but they definitely took 
certain dialogue that was in the comic straight into that scene. Yeah, well, the the context of that scene is in the Long Halloween. They yeah. took from the Long Halloween. Even how it was shot and how it was uh, drawn in the comic with how the panels were laid out, it was pretty similar, too. Yeah. Yeah, so so that scene, I was I was so happy that they, they uh, added that. I just love it when mo- comic book movies do that in general, where it's not necessarily you have to copy everything from the comic, but if you just get one scene or moment that's recognizable from the comic, it's this makes you feel really good <laughs> when you see that on screen. There's just something about it if you're a hardcore comic book nerd like us and you see your bots alive that way it's like a special feeling you get yeah <laughs> sometimes you wish happens a little more often but not all the time you know what another the, one the yeah go ahead i was gonna say another one that came to mind is the line that uh uh jonathan crane said in batman begins where he says like professor crane isn't here right now but if you like to leave a message that was taken from the long halloween too yeah yeah well i don't know i'm i'm kind of burnt out of uh comic book movies how could you say that <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it's, far become, from burned out. <laughs> it's, it's too much it's like uh yeah because they're all so different at least to me anyways you got these different styles of movies coming out i guess but um yeah g- going back to uh the dark knight trilogy that was kind of like the first time we we saw that where it was like hey that's directly from the comic book right yeah well uh, Spider-Man, Spider-Man was pretty cool, especially the first one. And even the second one had a moment there was Peter Parker puts his suit in the trash can. Oh. That was from a like pretty uh, classic moment from the comic, too. So it, it was one of the first, but not necessarily the first, I guess. <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to say that um, Upside Down Kiss. Uh, so no. They lift that from the comic? <laughs> it's possible. I don't think so. I think that was something from the movie. But I don't know. Spider-Man's long history, he had to do that at some point. I guess. I don't know. Did Batman and Robin have any classic comic book moment <laughs> in that movie? <laughs> um, did it? Oh, I think it's safe to say no. <laughs> the, the, uh, the Batman credit card? Maybe that was a scene in the comic? <laughs> oh, wait. Bane in the gorilla suit. I think that happened in my fall. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Terrible. Yes. But... I guess before we end the discussion on good comic books to start off with, if you're a new reader, we took the question out to Facebook and Twitter to see what some of the listeners thought. And of course on Twitter, we got some good responses um, as far as what books they think are good ones to jump onto. Um, Andy from the flash podcast responded saying that uh, he thinks Batman uh, earth one is a great alternative or I'm sorry, that was Mike's reply. <laughs> but Andy said that Batman Earth 1 was very special for him. So when he said that, that one didn't pop into my mind right away when I was thinking of books. But that really would be a good one. It's a fresh start and a new take on Batman and Alfred, too. I mean, especially if you're into Gotham and like how Alfred is in there. That's pretty much uh, that version of Alfred's being taken from uh, the Earth 1 story. So that's definitely a good one to start off with. The only negative, I would say, is that you're going to have to wait a long time for new stories because it's only be told in a, a trade volume that come out that like every three years it's going to be from volume one to volume two. So <laughs> that's the only downside. You're just going to have to wait for new stories. But It's kind of like whenever Jeff Johns feel, feels like writing a new book. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. But then Mike also responded saying, like we said, Long Halloween, Dark Victories. He says they're top-notch detective stories. 
then he also says Robin and Batgirl year one, the trades uh, for those he recommends. And I never read those, those two Robin year one and Batgirl year one hear great things about it. And they're always on my list of stories I need to read, but I still haven't had the chance to yet, but I heard good things about those ones. So those might be good ones to check out if you want to get into more for Robin and Batgirl. And then uh, we got one from, I'm sure this is his person's real name, Bruce Thomas Wayne. <laughs> he got to be. He suggests Detective Comics, and I'm going to say he agrees with us where he said uh, from the New 52, the Brian Bouchelotto run. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like the Tony Daniels stuff. You I don't think know. so. <laughs> because if you look on his uh, Twitter header image, it's uh, the artworks from the Brian Bouchelotto. <laughs> oh, okay. So, <laughs> yeah. Kind of it's, run, uh... <laughs> so I'm going to safely assume that he recommends those titles, which I would agree yeah. with. <laughs> and then Corbin chimes in saying, I think the current runs are doing great as long as you jump onto a new story arc. And he suggests Gotham Academy, which is a new story that I haven't got into. It was either that or Arkham Manor. <laughs> those got launched, and I chose Arkham Manor. But I've heard good things about Gotham Academy. But it's one of those things like Batgirl, just like the premise of it and how it looks just hasn't grabbed me, even though I've heard good things for it. But Corbin recommended for a good starting point, so that might be one to check out. And that's the responses we got on Twitter for that. So thanks, everyone, for responding to the call as far as some Batman books you would recommend to start off with. And I hope the list I gave wasn't too much <laughs> for people to feel, yeah, it's a lot of books to read through, but I kind of want to make sure I get all the books, at least that I read and kind of put them in a good chronological order for any new readers to base it off from, because I'm hoping if you start off with Batman year one long Halloween and the man who laughs and those books, you like them enough to, and you want to read more and know what stories to go through, this would be hopefully a good list to go off of to read some essential Batman stories. And then if you get caught up and start with on the new 52, you can just continue on like we are and kind of sit through the good and the bad that come along the way. <laughs> <laughs> so what wouldn't you recommend uh, a new reader to read? Hmm. Well, we already talked about, or we when we're talking about New 52, the Dark Knight run, <laughs> <laughs> at least the, uh, not not the Greg Hurwitz one. Why am I blanking on his name now? David, David uh, Finch, yeah. Yeah, David Finch, okay. yeah. That one, and then your favorite, Dane. Well, we haven't mentioned him in a while, David Hine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was about to say that. His detective run near the end of the old continuity. Yeah, it was terrible. And then, yeah, unfortunately... Tony Daniels Batman run mm. and his early detective stuff. Yeah. Not too good. Not some of them were okay and pretty good. I liked a few, but for the most part, not too good. And like the whole thing with Battle for the Cow is something yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend reading after you get into the whole Batman RIP stuff. I would just say end with RIP, end with RIP and then jump right into Batman and Robin and then you can go on from there for like Black Mirror and all that stuff and just skip Battle for the Cow. Yeah. I'd also recommend. I said I said this earlier, but don't read any of the Frank Miller stuff right in the beginning. Save that for when you you get into Batman and you like Batman and you know you understand his history at least you know somewhat. Um, I'd save that for the end and do not do not don't ever read uh, Dark Knight Strikes again. And I will add to that all-star Batman because technically yeah, that's the place you can jump onto for a Batman story, but it's not a Batman I would recommend. No, reading, no. no. <laughs> Maybe for the art, if you like art. 
Yeah, but man, Jimmy's his characterization. No, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, there's it's like terrible how he treats Dick, and there's just some questionable things in that book <laughs> <laughs> to say that should least. be avoided. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So we got some recommendations and ones to stay away from. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'd also st- stay away from Killing Joke for a little bit. Because, I mean, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, maybe just read that first. I don't know. Because it might confuse you a little bit. <laughs> maybe I would read it probably if you read Death in the family and that might be a good one to read after that just to kind of show <laughs> how much damage joker has done to batman and the bad family too Cause right. you read it after death in the family after jason and then what he does to barbara in there so that might be a good one to put in the middle of that story and between that and a lonely place of dying i guess yeah but i'd hold off for a little bit you know yeah because technically it's its own self-contained story that's what it was supposed to be and then it just got so like popular that DC putting in the main continuity. So you can kind of read it <laughs> at your leisure, I guess, but <laughs> later on you're going to notice references from that story. So it should be one. Yeah, and then after you read the killing joke, make sure to read that booster gold issue. <laughs> that one going back. Yeah. <laughs> no matter how many times he tried, he couldn't change the outcome. <laughs> that was probably the, that story, that comic run by Jeff Johns for Booster Gold was pretty good, but that one was definitely the best issue. I love that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, I mean, any of the books we recommended, I mean, you don't have to read them in order like Tim laid it out. You can, re- you can pick up any one of those and read it and, you know, j- just grow to like the character. I mean, you're not yeah. going to learn everything in one day, so... Don't try and don't get frustrated when you don't understand something. So just start off with any one of those we mentioned, not the bad ones, but uh, the good ones, and you know go from there. Yeah, the most important part is that you enjoy him and you like Batman more. <laughs> That's the goal of reading the comics. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So with that, let's move on to uh, Gotham, the TV show, because Robin's father has been cast, John Grayson will be played by Rob Gorey. Man, that's a bad name, Rob Gorey. <laughs> Unless he's going to do a bunch of horror movies. But... Yeah, I was like, man, Rob is so gory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like you tweeted out some images, but they're pretty much just filming. I believe the episode is going to be called um, The Blind Fortune Teller, and Gordon and Leslie Tompkins are going to go to Haley Circus, and they're going to meet John and Mary Grayson. And the actor, Rob Gorey, is young enough which I kind of was happy for, where they went not to where you think you're going to see a young Dick Grayson in there somewhere. <laughs> they made him young enough, and I believe what they're going to do is that they're not even married yet. They're just kind of boyfriend and girlfriend type thing. And they see flying Grayson posters on some of those set images that came out, and it's just two of them. So no worries about a little Dick Grayson being in there <laughs> to go with little Bruce Wade. So that was one yeah. worry or concern I had that's been put away, thank goodness. <laughs> so... So at the end of the series, they're going to cut to uh, John and Mary Grayson. And they're going to be like, and Mary's going to be like, oh, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and then that's, that's going to be like, oh, so he's, she's pregnant with Dick then, Dick Grayson. Yeah, well, like, like I said, they should just be treated as guest appearances right now. <laughs> let's bring him, if they want to bring him in later on as supporting cast members, let's say that for like season two or three or, or something. <laughs> 
Yeah, because because I don't want to I don't want to see them you know helping uh, Gordon to solve a crime or something. And I'm just curious to see because you know there's going to be some Robin reference in there some way. Someone might say Boy Wonder <laughs> or something, but you know they can't resist to throw a little Easter egg. Um, but yeah, so look. But just before yeah. we move off Gotham, real quick, did you see the latest episode? No, I haven't. I haven't seen any of the episodes since it came back. So there's only one so far, so okay. You don't have that much to catch up. But <laughs> I just wanted to ask you what you thought of Leslie Tompkins if you saw it. But if not, I'll await your response later because now, now, now before you say anything, okay. I'm just wondering: is there a scene where it's like, hmm, she's really attractive, and then she, she goes, "Wow, he's really attractive," and they have that look. They have that look. Yeah. Oh, okay. I will say that. That's what I thought. Yeah, here's I mean, my... they, they, they couldn't stay away from it. That's what, that's what I'm thinking. They couldn't stay away from it. Yeah. Because they need that love storyline for some reason. Here's my thing. The actress who's playing her is good. The character is good. but She's just written badly. No, it's just it's not Leslie Tompkins to me. That's the thing. Really? This, Why? Yeah. It just seems like a totally different character. For one thing, she's a lot younger, and then she's uh, – they didn't – Here's the thing, because this is her first live-action debut, I was kind of hoping for a more faithful interpretation of the character for how her backstory was in the comics. It just doesn't look like they're going that route. I mean, she's a doctor who works in Arkham, and she doesn't have, at least not yet anyway, the connection to being friends with Thomas and Martha Wayne and like working with their clinic and all that, which I really wanted to have her, the main focus and her point to be in the story was to be there for Bruce and develop like the mother relationship with him, like how with comics. But like we kind of talked about early on or when it was first announced, she's mainly there for Gordon as his new love interest. And you just already know there's going to be a moment where Barbara is going to come back. She's going to see Jim with Leslie. It's going to cause more friction in their relationship. And, just not really how I wanted to see the character be portrayed for the first time. Because that's what's really getting me on it. If this was something where we've seen her before in a movie or another TV show or something, I could live with it. Okay, it's just another interpretation and take on the character. But being this the very first live-action debut and something I've been waiting a long time to see and for it to be pretty different from her comic book backstory because it's what I love so much about the character kind of just maybe a little disappointed but like i said her character in there is pretty good the actress playing her is good it's just not leslie Tompkins to me so little disappointed with that so curious to see when you see it dane if you're gonna have the same reaction i had to it because <laughs> i've seen online that people yeah. are saying eh, she's good it's a good interpretation of the character they like her chemistry with jim gordon which is true but yeah just not what i was hoping for for her live action debut Oh, it's unfortunate, but yeah, we'll see where it goes. Maybe yeah, eventually. Yeah, so, with yeah that's what I was gonna say. Um, but moving off of that, the uh, Batman versus Robin movie, animated movie, has found, has finded, <laughs> find it, <laughs> <laughs> has found its uh, voice cast, and uh, Jason O'Mara, the Terra Nova star who also plays George Washington. <laughs> on history sons of liberty is back as voice as the voice is bat of batman yeah he's done it in uh justice league war and son of mm. batman and since this is that in the same continuity they're bringing him back for this one which i'm I, I thought he did a good job in uh justice league war and i think he improved in son of batman so i'm kind of ha- happy and fine with him as being i guess the new batman for these dc animated movies but i mean 
there's only one obvious main uh, feature voice actor who's going to be in this movie who's <laughs> Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, as the doll maker. Yeah. How could you I mean... not be excited about that? <laughs> That's, That's why I'll, I'm going to be there day one watching this movie because of Weird Al. You're just going to forward it to whatever scene he's in. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, of course, the cool another cool thing about it, Kevin Conroy is going to be playing Thomas Wayne in this story, which she's done before in the Perchance to Dream episode, but anytime you get Kevin Conroy, is always a plus <laughs> for any Batman animated movie, even when he's not necessarily playing Batman. Didn't he also do it in uh, Flashpoint? Um, No. That was a different act. He was in oh. Flashpoint as Bruce Batman, but for the Thomas Wayne Batman, it was someone else. Oh. But for this. <laughs> you were close. But I got to say, for, I'm really excited about this movie. And before it recorded, they just debuted the first trailer for it. And what I'm most excited about is that the Court of Owls will be making their animation debut. And they look really cool. I mean, their designs are straight out of the comics that we know from. The talons look cool. Like there's a scene where that shows the whole court of owls with their white mask. That looks really awesome. I'm just really curious to see how the story's gonna work because it's called Batman versus Robin. So I'm kind of thinking there's gonna be changes from the Scott Snyder story. I think it's probably where the court of owls are after Damien as Robin. They maybe they want to make him a talon, and they maybe brainwash him in some way to have him fight Batman in this story. But I'm just real anxious to see the court of owls in this because ever since I read that story. I've said this before, too, where I really want to see them use in an animated movie. and hey, Heck, even a live-action movie would be cool, but we're finally seeing them outside of comics. I just can't wait to see how they're going to be portrayed, because there's certain things, especially in that trailer, the, the trailer where it looks like it's taken out of the comics where they infiltrate Wayne Manor and Batman has to fight him off, so I really can't wait for it. That's what I'm most excited about for this movie. Why don't they just call it Court of Owls? I know that's what I'm curious on. Like, how different is it going to be? Because you got Dollmaker in there too. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I'm curious about. Um, mm. It looks like from the trailer, anyway. There's a main focus of it. I think I'm going to wait for your review, Tim. Even with Weird Al, you're going to wait for my review. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. You know what? Screw your review, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and just fast forward to the Weird Al parts. And watch that. And then I'll let you know how the rest of the movie is. And you can go back and watch it. <laughs> it's that. weird because he plays a serial killer. <laughs> yeah. What if he's going to go into a polka song or something? <laughs> yeah, he plays a serial killer. Right, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> Zodiac? Ooh, there you go again. <laughs> <laughs> but moving on to um, our next news, our last news piece. Tom Hardy, unfortunately, dropped out of the Suicide Squad movie, according to Latino Reviews, because they didn't get to see a script when they signed on. And then when, when Tom Hardy saw the script, he didn't like it. And uh, Rick Flagg wasn't in it a lot, so he decided to pass on it. Yeah, I mean, first off, it's just disappointing that he's not going to be in it. I thought it was yeah. cool to have Tom Hardy back in another comic book movie as in the Suicide Squad, too, but... I mean, first it was reported that it was because of scheduling conflicts. And like you said, uh, maybe there's something more to that. I think part of what it was, too, at least the rumored reason, was that he felt Joker became more of a focus of the movie rather than Rick Flagg. Uh, Joker and Deadshot, which, when you kind of think about it, yeah, that's probably where it would go. So, anyway, because, of course, Joker, you know, they're going to want to make him a main part of it. And Deadshot's really the main character of the Suicide Squad. But with Rick Flagg, you kind of know that we 
wouldn't be a main character, but more of a secondary supporting role. So maybe they told Tom Hardy something different in negotiations, and when he read it, it wasn't what he thought it'd be. So who knows? Maybe we'll never find out the real reason, but a little bummed that he's not going to be in it anymore because it, it was just an all-star cast that was going to be in it. Now one of them has been checked off, unfortunately. And I don't know. It would have surprised me, too, because these are big stars. Will Smith... Tom Hardy, Jared Leto, if like certain egos got in the way as far as screen time is going, you know what? I should have the main role. I don't know, but I'm a bigger actor. <laughs> Who knows what went on? So just disappointing. Yeah, but apparently, like Jake Gyllenhaal is the front runner. So. Yeah, that <laughs> that's <out> weird. <laughs> I know. Yeah, he was up for Batman against Christian Bale too, so he can get another crack <laughs> at a comic book movie. <laughs> But Rick Flagg's not quite on the same level as Batman, I think, though. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, but yeah, that's all of our news. Um, not a lot of news in the beginning of the year, I guess. Yeah, but it was some good, some good stuff, some bad with Tom Hardy, but I'm super psyched for the Batman and Robin movie. That trailer really got me pumped up for it, so <laughs> that was a big deal for me. It's, uh, it's, bigger, it's bigger than Batman versus Superman for you, right? Well, just because we and, see that and episode seven combined. Oh, see now you're just <laughs> now you're just making up false tales. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, we can get into our conversation with Alex, who always sends in an email. He sent in two because we didn't uh, get to his, he didn't. How, how should I put this? We recorded earlier, and he like yeah sent it right after we were done. I think it was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, we're going to read both of them and because Alex is the man and we love him like a brother. Right, Tim? <laughs> it's not official to get my approval, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yes, Alex, you're like our brother. So yeah, we love you like a brother. But Alex says, Happy New Year's, Bat fans. Well, thank you, Alex. But Tim can't say thank you. Your right, thought Tim? is much appreciated, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Tim. Tim, guess what? Right. Happy New Year, Tim. <laughs> Is it, was that in the email? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you, Happy New Year. Uh, so, I get it. Now. So, 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 what do you say? Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, okay. But well, that's well, the easy way. I, gonna, I thought you had to come with like come up with something like long and complicated. And... Well, if we, a lot of people tell you that you. <laughs> I don't necessarily have the time to get into all the specifics. So, no. like if someone at the grocery store, oh, here you go, happy new year. Okay, thank you. But oh yeah, you're don't right. necessarily wish from myself a happy new year because that's where it's like I'm kind of acknowledging it and all that. Well, anyway, uh, now that that's settled, uh, <laughs> Alex says thanks again, guys, for another great episode. We well, are welcome, Alex. Um. I hope you guys have done something fun for New Year's Day, or as I like to call it, Twilight Zone Day. Yeah, Twilight that's Zone. true. See, Tim, happy Twilight Zone Day. Uh, even though I haven't watched the marathon of that in years, yeah. <laughs> I do remember doing that, though. So so if I said, hey, Tim, happy Twilight Zone Day, <laughs> what would you say? Uh, it'd still just be a thank you, because it's really something you want to say, oh, happy Twilight Zone Day to you, too, because <laughs> it just makes yeah. you laugh more than anything. <laughs> Yeah, you say it back to me, and we're good. <laughs> okay, if it makes you feel good. Okay, <laughs> um, 
the the Twilight Zone has always been one of my favorite shows. So I get really excited when the Sci-Fi Channel holds a marathon every New Year's Eve and day. It's one of the first shows that my whole family bonded over, so I always look forward to catching a few episodes with them each year. I don't watch Arrow, but I'm happy to hear that the creators have recognized how banal of a show it is that they need to steal Batman villains. I'm just kidding. I think it's cool that they're getting all of those characters out there in the mainstream. I've always said that if every person knew who the Clock King was, the world would be a marginally better place for the watch industry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you for answering my Star Wars questions I really appreciated your explanation For why Vader acted the way he did In Return of the Jedi movie So I figured you could clear some things up My whole life I thought it was just bad choreography Making Darth Vader such a wuss Cowering down on the banister Rather than trying to get Luke to strike him down So now I think Darth Vader Is just a wuss for giving up And taking the easy way out I'm just kidding I love the imagery of Tim getting kicked out of the Jedi Order for not getting a blue lightsaber. <laughs> Let go of me. Where are you throwing me? I would, also, <laughs> I would also be kicked out of the Jedi Order, but that's because I love women. <laughs> and I know how much the Jedi hate love. Well, you could just be like Anna. Can you keep it a secret? Yeah, just, you know, have Padme secretly. Well, I will say this. We'll find out. Hopefully, in the new trilogy, I think Luke's going to do away with that silly rule. If, yeah. he, if he does, in fact, set up a new Jedi Order, which is still up in the air. That's one of those things I've never really believed, that Yoda and Mace and, you know, Qui-Gon, if he was still alive, uh, and uh, Obi-Wan, they, they had no idea that Padme and um, Anakin were married. I think not necessarily married, but I think Obi-Wan knew there was something going on between yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Um, they also are against absolutes when it's convenient. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get those guys. You fight and kill your enemy, the dark side wins. You don't fight and die, dark side wins. Unless you're an old man that is able to hop out of his clothes into outer space, and I think I'm better off being a son of Batman. And now his questions. Question one. What is your opinion on the it ruined my child mentality by men? I've seen this a lot in comment sections whenever a new interpretation of franchise is shown. I don't understand it at all. If you are not a child anymore, then it could not possibly have any effect on your childhood. And if you are a child, now I never... What? And if you are a child... Now... I, I would I never would want to call a kid a loser, but if your your whole childhood depended on some geeky property going in a direction you wanted, you had some issues. Am I missing something? Whenever I see it, I want to read something about Frank Miller for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because you hate yourself, Alex. <laughs> You're punishing yourself. <laughs> well, I will uh, say this. Yeah. I mean, I can go on a whole long rant about this, but there's few things or internet phrases I hate more than oh, this ruined my childhood or this raped my childhood. I absolutely hate those lines. I can't stand it. It's one thing to say you don't like this new interpretation. Okay, does that ruin, like, like for instance, uh, I know Transformers movies get thrown about it a lot. And they're not necessarily the greatest movies, but if you don't like them, does that necessarily ruin the original cartoons and the memories you have of that? Of course not. It just means this particular version or interpretation of what you liked as a kid isn't what you like now you just don't 
watch that one or don't uh, acknowledge it or whatever. Just don't say it ruins your childhood because that means I take it where you don't love something enough if you can let a new interpretation of it ruin your good memories of the original versions that you love or grew up on. So there's no line I hate more of the internet than those two. I just can't stand it. So I'm with you, Alex, 100% there. I never said it and I never will. I just absolutely hate it. Yeah, it's stupid. I mean, let's say Tim hated the New 52 stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, he can go back and read Nightfall. He can go back and watch Batman the Animated Series. Exactly. Those haven't gone away. I know. <laughs> they're, they're still there for you to read, watch, experience, whatever. If anything, the um, new version that you don't like, it enhances your childhood more because it makes those ones look even better. And you realize, man, those were really good and good times or whatever. Yeah. So, it makes it more special, yes. a little more special, you know. Oh, you get me fired up now. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, anyway, his second question is: You guys got me really interested with the Sith Lords you've been talking about. What do I read, or do I have to watch that Clone Wars cartoon? First off, Alex, you need to watch the Clone Wars cartoon just because. Yes. Just because. Not just for Sith Lords. You get cool Sith Lord stuff <laughs> in there, but just because it's great Star Wars. Yeah, and read uh, the Darth Plagueis novel. Yes, that, and I'll recommend, too, the Darth Bane trilogy. That's a really mm. good book for Sith Lords. I don't know if you would know who Darth Bane is. Yeah, but it gives you a good history of the Sith, even though technically not canon anymore, but still some cool stories. Well, you're going to like his next question, because his next question says, I'm intrigued with this Darth Bane. What, he, what, is, what is he the Bane of? <laughs> or is it just some random name like Vader? When the Emperor came up with that name, I think he was just looking at some kind of billboard and for cigarettes <laughs> called, called Vader's or something when talking to Anakin because he just seemed to pull that one on on thin air. Yeah, when he was fighting Mace Windu and they broke that window, he was looking out and he saw something that said, ooh, Vader, that'll be good for Anakin. <laughs> <laughs> no, Darth Bane in the books I was talking about, the name... The reason why it's called that is explained in there. It has to do with his father in the story, so there is explanation for that. And he is an ancient, ancient Sith, so the Emperor didn't name Bane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his name wasn't from a build war on Coruscant. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'd also recommend playing the uh, video game Knights of the Old Republic, because that that has one hell of a twist to it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> With uh, Revan. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but, yeah, th- thank you, Alex. And um, his second email, let me find it. I got a bunch of emails, that's why. <laughs> and Alex is the most important one in my email box. He should have his own folder. Yeah, I don't know why. I'd... Let's see, 1, 2, 15. Yeah, he sent that after we uh... – okay, so it must be ahead of that then. Alex. <laughs> Alex, Alex, Alex. We have a conversation we? with Alex. Now we'll have oh, there search we go. for Alex's email. <laughs> search for Alex. There we go. All right. Well, Alex says, greetings, Timmy Time and the Bad Fan Revolution. Uh, yes. Great episode. I thought you guys recorded on a Friday on Friday evenings, but apparently you also record on holidays as well. You guys are quite the rebels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll, we are. We'll just form our own rebel alliance. <laughs> Who else is going to be in this Rebel Alliance? <laughs> you, me, Alex. <laughs> yeah, us and whoever emails in. Uh, yeah, Mike, Corbin. 
Jake once in a while. And now Mark. And now, now Mark. Um, I'm just kidding around. I'm really sorry about not getting an email in time. That's okay, Alex. We should have we should have emailed all of you guys because, you know, if if it wasn't for the for the emails that you guys send, man, this podcast would suck. For, <laughs> j- j- just for me and Tim trying to do it, you know. So we really really appreciate it, and you you don't have to apologize because it wasn't your fault. But um, we'll tell you next time. Um. He says, you guys picked some great issues for the best of 2014. I don't remember much of what happened in last year's book, so I appreciate the recap. I'm not reading or watching anything superhero related, so you guys are my only link into the fandom. I always appreciate how much passion you have for the hobby. I don't watch baseball, but since you guys enjoy it so much, I enjoy hearing your conversations about your favorite teams. Oh, nice. As much as I... <laughs> yeah, thanks, Alex. It's good to... It's good that... Somebody likes our baseball talk. (laughs) As much as I love the Batman conversations, my favorite moments of the podcast is when you trail a... Mike just tweeted at us. (laughs) Looks like we got the notifications at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. What did he say? Looks good, but I have to agree with Corbin Poole about getting a repeat of the first one. J.M. DeMatti's writing is a good thing. Talking to the tweet I sent for the Batman vs. Robin trailer. Oh. Well, back to Alex. See, isn't Twitter great? We're going to be reading their emails soon, but they're tweeting us right now. (laughs) We can just talk to them as we record the episode. As much as I love the Batman conversations about your favorite teams... Okay, wait. Uh, My favorite moments of the podcast is when you trail off Hey, you, you one reviewer guy, I'm talking to you. What do you have against baseball? Aren't you American? Because if you are, <laughs> get out. And if you aren't, well, then that's understandable. I'm sorry you don't enjoy the, the conversations. Please forgive me. I hope you continue listening to the podcast and have a nice day. Alex, you're going to push listeners away from us in our baseball talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, back to Timmy Stabby time. Timmy Stabby time. Maybe that'll be our 2016 name. Yeah, Timmy Stabby time. <laughs> and the Batman Revolution. Uh, Dane, uh, thank you, Dane, for your review of the Guardians of the Galaxy. I've seen the high praise for quite some time, and I was finally going to rent it the day I heard your podcast. I've been completely burned out by the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, not see, you too, Alex. Not you too. You see... He's burnt out. He doesn't like Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh. <laughs> Alex, we're on the same wavelength, man. Yeah, it's the wrong wavelength. You have to change your, <laughs> <laughs> your waves. <laughs> Get them over to my wavelength. Marvel's Billy is such a great universe of their movies <laughs> uh. that we could only hope DC will match. Oh, the, the Marvel. <laughs> it's like... There's some crap going on with Spider-Man or something. And, yeah, well, that'll be the Moral isn't too good. <laughs> oh, Alex says that in his email. I was just reading that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm surprised that you guys were so dismissive of the Harry Potter franchise's kids movie. Um, well, it's only going by because I've never seen yeah. it. So <laughs> I could be totally wrong. Well, I've seen the first one, like the first half of it, because I remember... We went on a field trip to go see that movie when I was a kid. And, um, yeah, like, after, 
you know when they go to that train station and um, they go through the wall and then they go to like um, I'm not talking to you Tim I'm talking to uh, Alex um, they uh, go through that train station and then it's like a courtyard I mean like a like a strip mall or something it looks like a strip mall and they buy the owl and the, the wand and stuff that's when I kind of tuned out and started talking with my friends. So, I mean, that's that's like most of the Harry Potter I've seen. Disturbing people in the movie theater talking. Yeah, yeah, and I, I've I've seen the one Harry Potter movie. Maybe you can tell me, Alex. It's the one where, like, in the beginning, they're they're in a diner or something, and then they get attacked by uh, I don't know, like other guys with wands, like like uh, bad guys. Um, I'm not sure which one that one is, but I saw the first half of that in Walmart. So <laughs> the best place to see a movie, Walmart. <laughs> well, I saw Twilight, the first Twilight movie that way. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I trust not all of it because I can't imagine you like standing in a Walmart for two well, hours like a, on like, a, like a good 35 minutes of it. <laughs> I couldn't hear what they're saying, but it you looks, got the gist of it. <laughs> yeah, love story with vampires and werewolves and. <laughs> pretty much I guess a normal girl right yeah, that's what I think it is yeah <laughs> and uh the girl falls in love with the vampire and they live happily ever after <laughs> that's that's the whole Twilight Twilight uh story right more you know, than likely just, that <laughs> is probably how it ends <laughs> you know what we should do okay. we should read a Wikipedia entry on uh like rom-coms and just like give like a qu- quick like five second synopsis about that what that movie's about like oh john cusack meets a girl and falls in love it's gonna be all the same for every time we do it because all those movies are the same <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're right it's gonna be all the same but uh where was that alex's email <laughs> um but don't give the same description to the mcu Every time a new MCU movie is released, I see it I see it praised like it's revolutionizing the film industry. Well, to be fair, no one says that about the Thor movies. Personally, I don't I don't think they they're nearly as innovative, soulful, or well-written as other films in the blockbuster genre like Raiders of the Lost Ark, the original Star Wars trilogy, the Dark Knight trilogy, the first two Terminator movies. I like the third one. The third one was pretty good. What Terminator? Yeah, the third Terminator. I think I've seen that one. I've heard it. I've heard it wasn't good, but <laughs> it's the one with uh, Claire Danes yeah. and the the girl Terminator. Mm. That one is pretty cool, but my I guess I'm the only one. <laughs> <laughs> That's from who I know who's seen it. I don't I don't know, well, yeah, I was gonna say. I would I would agree with they're not revolutionary. I don't think that what they're doing is revolutionary as far as creating a cinematic universe. All the movies connect to each other, and you get the Avengers. I think that's revolutionary. But as far as the movies themselves, yeah, they're not on the same level as Star Wars, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and those types. But they're just really good movies and just enjoyable superhero movies that I just love. I just love how they're building a universe. So that's what I mainly take from it. So I agree they're not revolutionary, but what they're doing as far as all of them and connecting, I think that's revolutionary. As you're seeing studios are trying to do that more and more but they can't get it right like marvel's doing yeah well i'm just waiting for that uh that you know that that jaws and jurassic park are in the same (laughs) universe they technically could be jaws is universal right yeah okay yeah they could be that's right 
Yeah, so you see, I'm just saying, Universal. Oh, well, maybe if Jurassic World is a big hit, they'll reboot Jaws and then they'll have a crossover. I don't think I don't think they can because the revenge kind of killed that whole franchise. <laughs> the third movie, Jaws three, Jaws three D. I'm sorry, <laughs> and uh, the revenge kind of killed that whole movie franchise dead. That's not going to stop the studio from rebooting what at least knowing the popular they have a popular first movie they'll reboot it eventually. I'm actually surprised they haven't done it already. Yeah, but Jaws the Revenge was worse than Batman and Robin. <laughs> I mean, they completely tanked. Nobody saw it, and it was just a terribly written, directed, and special effects movie. So, yeah, oh, man. that should just give them more incentive to try to rebuild the Jaws game. <laughs> I wonder how they would flip it though. I mean, because this new Jurassic World movie, it's like the park has been built. So it's the next logical step in the chrono- chronology of the Jurassic Park movies. Well, maybe they could just base it off those uh, Sharknado movies. Isn't that the next step? Yeah. <laughs> <For> <laughs> no, but it has to be serious, like this, the Spielberg Jaws movie. They just got to tell a new story where a, a new team goes out to try to hunt him after he causes some uh, trouble on the beach. Yeah. It's not going to be anything new. <laughs> I know that's yeah. just retread what the first movie was. Yeah, and and Tim, let me ask you. Tell me you weren't scared the first time you watched Jaws, and it's nighttime, and they go searching for that boat, and then uh, Hooper goes under, under the water, and then the, <laughs> that the guy pops. Yeah. Yeah, tell me that didn't freak you out. You know what? You jump. It didn't make me jump, but I watched it with my friends and brothers. They jumped when it happened. <laughs> <laughs> That that scene freaked me out, man. <laughs> I remember seeing that and it was like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing with uh, it's the same thing when uh, um, Quint dies. He not gets eaten by the shark. Not necessarily a jump part, I don't think, but no, no, no. I got I got uh, freaked out. Yeah. <laughs> as a kid. Yeah, I I don't I wanted to see it. I was pretty young. My parents had to edit that part out when it was like on TV yeah. and record it. And, like pause it there. And then. <laughs> That's actually good parenting, right? <laughs> Like my parents, just watch the <laughs> So I didn't see the full version of what happened to Quinn until a few years later. Or even like, uh, you know, that boulder that uh, capsizes, uh-huh. and then uh, all you see is like the shark coming up, c- coming at him underneath the water, and it bites off his leg. Yeah, that freaked me out. <laughs> did you? Did your parents edit that part out too? Not that part, no. <laughs> oh. So uh, a leg is all right a bitten off leg is all right but watching quinn die is bad yeah especially the way he died yeah. Yeah. oh yeah he got chomped there's lots of blood there yeah, yeah so so what about when um when roy scheider's character i can't remember his name chief brody when chief brody uh shoots the um the, the uh tank in the shark's mouth no yeah i saw that it was, um, it was an explosion you see is so so a shark uh, on there, but with a two gory, I don't think. So a giant shark explosion is all right. Uh, yeah, it was all right, I guess, because <laughs> I remember seeing it <laughs> for the first time. <laughs> and see, now we're on a jaws kick. <laughs> we're on a jaws kick. Um, how did Hooper survive? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I don't know. That cage was totaled. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and how do you get away from the shark? Yeah, I, I think mean, it would have shark... went back. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it's like... I mean, just one of those things. He was just hiding know, in like, like a water a... cave or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did have a scuba tank on, yeah. right? Shark's dead. So, I can come back up now. <laughs> yeah. And how did Chief Brody hit such a small target with a waterlogged, not good gun? <laughs> that... That's what, that's what I don't get. I mean, that's like one of the luckiest, luckiest, luckiest shots. Because if he had missed, like he did like a couple of times, but yeah. if he fully missed, that shark would have just ate him. Well, it made for a great ending. I mean, come on. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess. And don't tell me they swim. They paddled all the way back to uh, <laughs> Martha's Vineyard. Yeah. <laughs> I always or wondered what? that, too. Did someone pick him up? Or <laughs> yeah, it's pretty like, exhausted to make it on their own. What, they just doggy paddled all the way back <laughs> on that floating thing? So, yeah. Some well, dolphins came and helped him. Just swam him back to shore. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway... Um, well, to be fair, no one says that about the Thor movies. Personally, I don't think they're nearly... Okay, I read that part already. Uh, maybe Guardians is different. And if you really feel that strongly, Tim, I will give it a shot. Yes, please give it a shot. But it, since you're agreeing with Dane in this email, I don't think you're going to like it. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel bad, especially after hearing what Tim went through at GameStop. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. We always talk about GameStop. Yeah. It was our rating scale for that episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, GameStop. Um, but did you say uh, GameStop is going digital now? Or, like, part of their business is going to go digital? Not GameStop. I mean, just games in general are going digital. Yeah. But... I can't believe there's still GameStop still. There's still plenty of people who want the actual disc, like me. <laughs> so... Yeah, but you can just order it. <laughs> I know. Uh... I think it's going to be a long time before the actual physical stores go away. Well, dude, it did for music stores really, really fast. Yeah. <laughs> but games are a different medium as far as, because like I said, to have the uh, systems that have the storage on there to like, have all digital games, I think it's still going to be a while for that. I don't know. I'm just saying. It's, it's going to be like buying a Tower Records franchise <laughs> right before iTunes hits. Blockbuster Music, remember those? <laughs> yeah. Blockbuster Music, and they used to have game a game store in there. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called. It was, uh, game Rush? Yeah, Game Rush. I was thinking of Game that... Crazy, but that was Hollywood videos. Game Rush was <laughs> it, though. <laughs> yeah, Game Rush. and They even used to sell DVDs, and that went down the tube. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Blockbuster. They were, they were great for the 90s when I was going up for renting video games. Oh, yeah, time, yeah. Now? <laughs> and I remember they used to have big stores. And they used to always have, like, every every movie. In fact, that was the first time I saw Jaws. Oh, I rented it. <laughs> yeah, see, so I guess Blockbuster isn't so bad. But, man, Tower Records, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> an international chain of music stores. But anyway, <laughs> um, I still think you are the man, Tim. Even if you award the best writer title to a man that made Bruce a dirtbag, <laughs> impregnated, impregnated his near-adopted son's beloved. Ah, uh, but it made such a great reason of why they hated each other during yeah. that time period. So yeah, Kyle regards, still gets my award. In regards to how Batman is written, I think Batman has to be somewhat crazy in order to dress like a bat and do what he does. I'm with both of you. 
that he has to be down to business. But there needs to be some elation. He has to be enjoying what he's doing so I can so that I can enjoy following the character. That's why I didn't care for Scott Snyder's Batman originally. He was a jerk with some serious arrested development issues. Nightwing should have socked him one or two times. I recently reread the Court of Owls storyline and was loving it loving it until Bruce punched Dick in the face. Then all misery he put all the misery he put on his family what? Then all misery he put his family in throughout the new fifty two Especially with Jason, came back to me. I don't mind if he's somewhat cold, but as long as there's moments like Batman sitting with Ace on the swing set, I'm good with it. Or like the album art you guys picked out. Wait, that's a bad example since he's putting a bunch of people in danger by being there. <laughs> just shows what <laughs> that no, he it's has. Just him some, and Gordon there. That's it. <laughs> yeah, just shows <laughs> that he has some humanity. I'll hold out on questions until next time since you guys have my last email. Thanks again, Alex. Well, thank you, Alex. You know, we love you like a brother, right, Tim? Yep, a double dose of Alex emails. Is always <laughs> <cheap>. <laughs> yes, it is. Thank you, Alex, uh, for always sending in emails. You know you're the man. Um, but now we can move on to Mike slash Zodiac serial killer. Hi, Timmy Time in the Bat Fan Revolution. Great show for 2015, and great 2015 name change. And I have to apologize for stealing all of Dane's 2014 choices, but I think it's either a situation of great minds thinking together, think together, or there really wasn't many choices for 2014. Also, I think you were right, Tim, in calling me out on the fact that Ben Affleck was announced in late 2013, but I do remember being on my Christmas holidays and seeing that on the net after New Year's, so it was a little bit of a cheat call for me. I was a little su- surprised to hear that Dane didn't like the Guardians of the Galaxy that much. Mike's on my I, side for this one. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Mike, I have Alex. I'd rather have Alex because Mike might be the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> I'm just saying he might be the Zodiac Killer. Uh, have you realized you don't see the Zodiac and Mike at the same time? Oh, man. So, <laughs> wow, talk about stretching. <laughs> <laughs> I did enjoy. <laughs> you see, they never caught the Zodiac. You know why? Because he's living on Australia. That's why. Yeah, you really want to see Mike behind bars. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to see justice done, I guess. Huh? Yeah, for the Zodiac killer's families or victims of the Zodiac killer. But um, I was a little surprised to hear that Dane didn't like Guardians of the Galaxy that much. I didn't enjoy it, but I did. I don't think it deserved all the best comic movie of 2014 hype that it got. I thought that Captain America 2 was better and that Guardians felt like Serenity a bit where if you had a lead... If... Man, Mike, you need, to... <laughs> you need to put a period here here and there and a comma. <laughs> no, don't make things any easier for uh, you since he's trying to convict you of murder. <laughs> serial murder. Uh, Guardians felt like Serenity, serenity a bit. Where if you had a lead in like Firefly, it would have been better. Also, I felt that the majority of Marvel movies lately have suffered because they have to lead into the next Avengers, and their story stories are catered to this. Uh, 
See, I see you lost me on that one, Mike. I think they're doing a good job as far as balancing up everything. This self-contained stories are good for, especially this new batch, like you said, with Guardians and Captain America too. But you know it's going to have lingering effects into like the next Avenger, Avengers movie. So I still think they're doing a good job. Yeah, Iron Man 2, yeah, that one you can definitely make that case for where that was really going out of the way to say, hey, the Avengers is coming. But I think they learned their lesson since then. As for your discussion and your choices, I was happy to see that you went with Kyle Higgins and the Batgirl crew instead of Scott Snyder. I have nothing against Snyder and have enjoyed his tales. I found that Snyder's run has been split into event stories with a break in the way of Zero zero Year to let Eternal tell the bigger tale and then back for another event tale. It it just has no real continuation as a whole. Kyle Higgins' run on Nightwing was so continuous as a whole story, and the only dark spot was him leaving D- and DC publishing number 30, which was excessive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested in reading Grayson, as I like Dick Grayson as a character, and I'm also a James Bond fan. I just think they should have done something else. Even just before... Even just more of an undercover operation for Batman with a new alias would have been better, and I think Kyle Higgins would have wrote that well. Hopefully they can somehow figure out how to get Bat- get him back into costume and Kyle on a Bat book soon. The Batgirl team just took a massive chance with something non-standard, and I respect that. Tim, you asked about Batgirl being a certain style due to the art, and I was a little hesitant as well. Until I heard the glowing review from Stella on Batgirl to Oracle. Who knows what a good Batgirl story should be. Does she? Well, she seems to not like Gail Simone's run and uh-huh. <laughs> like this new run. So, judging by you guys, I think that's pretty accurate, too. Okay. I trust her, then. <laughs> like she's it, looking for my approval. That's all it takes, yeah. <laughs> Just for you to agree. Uh, Stella, I, I know you're not listening to this, but you have... Maybe somehow you listen to this, but you have my approval. <laughs> just just know that you have my approval. Mike, tell her that she has my approval. Let's <laughs> put that oh. on the tagline now for the background yeah. podcast. Approved by Dane from Timmy Time and the Batman Revolution. <laughs> and while it looks a bit teeny bopper, I think it uses that culture well as it gives Barbara a sea change, but also makes her a stranger, stranger in a strange land vibe. It also gets to poke fun at the more zany things in this current culture. Plus, it's a breath of fresh air after that depressive Gail Simone. I would suggest reading Batgirl Year One before, before as it will get you in the mood for great light-hearted Batgirl stories and flush what's rest of the previous memories of the Simone run down the toilet. <laughs> That's good to know. On your other best ofs, I am looking forward to reading the Bucciolato Manipool Detective Rush. <laughs> I have loved the art style they have since reading F- The Flash Volume 1 trade and hearing they were going to detective interest in me. I read that. <laughs> Mike, I read the Tony Daniel stuff and it sucked big time. <laughs> so I've, avo- uh, I've avoided detective as a whole. Your praise for the Batman ex- exhibit at the Warner Studios Studios tour has made me think about finally taking a trip to America. Really, Mike, you haven't been here before in the 70s and the 80s? Man, how old do you think Mike is? <laughs> like 60? <laughs> um, well, going off hope- his uh, 
Facebook picture, he's a pretty young 60-year-old. <laughs> it, it can happen, man. People age differently. You know, he, he still could be that, that uh, Zodiac killer. I'm just saying, you don't see Mike and the Zodiac in the same room at the same time. Just saying, Tim. You know what? Come to think of it, I don't think I've seen you in the Zodiac Killer or me <laughs> in the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> but no, it's Mike. It's Mike. But you continue his email, Tim. Okay. Since we're going off that uh, Zodiac Killer stuff. <laughs> he says, going back to your praise for the Batman exhibit at the Warner Studio Tour has made me think about finally taking a trip to America I have always liked to do. Hopefully it gets extended for a long time or becomes a permanent thing. You're also talking about the Batman v Superman teaser, and I was wondering if this will have anything to do with the movie or if it would just be a big ruse to throw everyone off the proper story. The fact that it only got shown at the convention and has been and has been banned from the net by Warner Brothers makes me suspicious. I just think they try to make it exclusive there, and Warner Brothers is usually like that. They don't put what they show at Comic-Con online anytime soon until they put an actual trailer out and maybe that trailer contains some of that footage. So I don't, I don't think it was anything strange about it. It was just what they normally do. So hopefully it's what they show at Comic-Con will be in the upcoming trailer for it pretty soon. And he goes on to say, even though I just probably sounded like I was bagging Scott Snyder's run, I have started to read Batman as soon as they are starting out number 36. I was totally spoiled on 35 and it took the shine out of a great issue and excellent ending. I agree with Tim that 37 was great, but I would give it a 9.5 due to the start of the issue was a little confusing. Spoilers. He says, in the end of 36, Joker paralyzes Batman in the cell in Arkham, and it has the panel saying, blam. Then at the start of 37, he is in the temporary cave with Alfred and Julia, and he wills himself free. What happened in between? This makes me wonder if 37 is all a hallucination, because they keep talking about Scarecrow gassing Batman and him seeing his end. So is this the cause by that? Man, I think right, that'd be, I think that'd be a cop out if they do that. I really hope that's not a hallucination because that issue had some awesome stuff in it. All right, I will pick up where you left off. Okay. Good call on Son of Batman as a worst of 2015. I've enjoyed the majority of DC animated movies, but this one was a real tough sit. Mike, just listen to Tim. Listen to Tim's review of the animated movies. He'll tell you whether it's good or bad. Because if you're anything like me, then you, you should listen to Tim. Because he's usually a good judge of character on, on those movies. For the most part, they've all been good too. But that one, uh, just something about it, yeah, didn't work. Yeah. I love the scenes with Batman and Damien trying to act tough. And the scene with the Nightwing taking Damien down. The scene that shows Batman getting drugged by Talia and her practically raping him. And the bit where Damien gets a sword stabbed into each arm and then rips his arms through the sword and continues fighting were ridiculous and ruined the movie for me. Do you agree, Tim? That stuff, I get what he's saying, but that didn't necessarily ruin it for me, but oh. I, I can get where he's coming from, yeah. <laughs> but there was other stuff that I had more problems with. I have a question for you guys. Do you like that the current DC animated movies are using new 52 storylines? Or would you rather have more, more made for the animated universe storylines? I kind of like what they're doing now. It's taking from the new 52 stuff, especially since we're getting something from the Court of Owls. Because the Batman stories, anyway, we've gotten some cool stories from the new 52. So I'm happy about that. But at the same time, 
they're still giving us some original stories being told, like the Assault on Arkham one. And then this year, I think we're supposed to be getting another Justice League movie that's supposed to be a brand new one, a brand new story from Bruce Timm. So that should be pretty cool. So I think they're striking a good balance between the two. All right. Well, also, I recently got the Blu-ray Star Wars 1 through 6 ah, set, nice. started to watch them, and I was thinking how I will miss the 20th, 20th Century Fox fanfare at the start due to them being Disney movies now. Whenever I would hear that fanfare, I always thought of Star Wars, even if it was at the sirens. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Don't even cut this out, Tim. Uh, Just leave it in. <laughs> It would have gone good if you were still talking about the Zodiac murder. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying Mike might be the Zodiac. You never know. Here come the cops. <laughs> and by the way, Australia has a lot of serial killers, man. I don't know what it is about Australia, but they have a lot of serial killers. <laughs> is that a fact? Yeah. Well, we'll have to let uh, Mike chime in on that for next email. <laughs> they do. They They do. You don't believe me, Tim? i never seen or heard of that stat before. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, anyway, whenever I would hear that fanfare, I always thought of Star Wars, even if it was at the start of other movies. My question slash discussion point is, do you guys have anything that, if changed, could give you a bit of disappointment or even ruin the movie for you? either Star Wars or anything that might come out in the DC Universe. My thought would be if the rumor of Commissioner Gorn being dead or the possibility of a techno-Batman theme with Junkie XL. Who's Junkie XL? I don't even know. It's actually the first time I've heard about this. Doing the Batman music on Batman vs. Superman could really disappoint me. Yeah, for that Batman having a techno thing, I wouldn't be down with that. But then again... I wouldn't let, necessarily let it ruin the movie for me. Even the Gordon thing it could serve the story in an interesting way, especially if Batman or this version of Batman has been doing this for a long time. Maybe Gordon did die in the storyline. I mean, it could be something different. But for Star Wars, I would say, I mean, there was talk that, oh, it's not going to have episode seven in the opening crawl. I think that would have been something that would have bugged me a little bit. Not necessarily ruin the movie, but it wouldn't. <laughs> Have that nice flow with the other six movies. You go from episode one to six, and then for episode seven, it's not in the opening crawl. Uh, that wouldn't have flown well with me, but I don't think that's going to be the case. Yeah, for me, uh, Star Wars the musical, Batman the musical. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Anything with a musical at it. Yeah. So you're not going to see that movie Into the Woods, huh? What is that? <laughs> it's like that fairy tale movie, but it's a musical. Oh, oh yeah, I've seen that on Twitter. I thought that was like a. Like a horror movie or something. <laughs> the name of it could have been mistaken for a horror movie. I can see that. Well, let me take a quick gander at Into the Woods. Hold on. I'm surprised you haven't seen anything about it. The commercials, the trailers for well, it. I don't have TV anymore. I don't pay for cable anymore. Oh. So. <laughs> There's a good reason why you haven't seen any commercials. Oh, okay. Oh, it's a singing movie? Yeah, that's why I said. <laughs> you probably oh. wouldn't want to see that one. Hold on, let me take a quick listen to this music. <laughs> you actually found a song? Or you just played a trailer? Uh, it's uh, on the IMDb. The trailer's on there. I don't think they play any songs in the trailer, though. At least the few that I no, saw. Well, they're singing. Okay, well, maybe there's one that did. Uh, 
Oh, yeah, no thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not seeing that movie. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> well, thanks for ruining my good mood, Tim. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Tim, because you asked, and the chance to get Dane to say 3-1-1 over again. <laughs> Great. Now, maybe I should take over reading this part. <laughs> I will give my favorite 3-1-1 album and a top 10 3-1-1 songs. <laughs> Only saying one doesn't give you know, justice to this great band called 311. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually listened to 311 um, recently. You know what my favorite 311 song is? Uh, which one? I'm dying to know. None of them. Thank you for ruining my night now, Dean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just playing. Uh, best 311 album is Transistor. Yes. Agree, Tim? Oh, 100% agree. It's is that song. the green one? No. <laughs> oh. It's not the green one. Which one is the one with uh, Come Original on it? So that one's called Sound System. That's the one after Trend. That's the green one? Yeah. No. Oh, oh, you don't like the most popular one. You gotta like pick like the... Yeah, oh, if, if my favorite becomes the most popular, that's fine, but... Oh. It's the, it, amongst the diehard fan base, the Transistor yeah. is the most popular one, yeah. While I love all of their albums, I would have to say that this album was a masterpiece. It has no filler songs and so much variations, it's unbelievable. I wouldn't say they peaked on this one, but it was it was so good they set the bar real high. My now my top ten three eleven songs are one you didn't down. say three one one. <laughs> yeah. One down. Agree? That's not my top pick but you can go ahead and read all of Mike's top okay two all mixed up three do you write four come original that's the only song I know from yeah. them <laughs> and that they redid uh love song yeah that was a big hit bro man that puts me to sleep man <laughs> it's just a, like uh it's just like every horror movie it's a it's more upbeat tempo and I think better than the original version which I'm sure die hard cure fans are gonna hate me for saying that but <laughs> I think it's a superior version. Well, I mean, I, I don't like either band, so um, that one just puts me to sleep, man. It's like I think it's the reggae sound of it, and like just their voice, but that one puts me to sleep. It is a mellow song, so yeah, it's like it's kind of like waiting for a bus. <laughs> oh man, you and your analogies. <laughs> no, but it's. I mean, that's. I think I found the, the, the cure for insomnia. <laughs> Love song. <laughs> yeah, by 311. Um, also, for me, horror movies, like every single horror movie I've ever seen, puts me to sleep. Yeah, I could believe that. Yeah. It's because, like, you know when they're going for, like, a real big scare and, like, everything is quiet? And, like, like, you know it's coming the, anyway. Like, the, like, the person is kind of creeping up really really quietly and then all of a sudden it's like bam and everybody jumps i think that's what puts me to sleep and when horror movies try to have like any kind of story <laughs> it's like oh but you know the, the the monster was born in ireland and you know came down to england and caught the boat to america it's like oh okay uh <laughs> When is this monster, the said monster, gonna attack the the, the uh, college students on vacation, or whatever? <laughs> like, but anyway, uh, yeah, four is come original, five is Jupiter, six is stealing happy hours. Agree, Tim? 
those are all good songs especially jupiter and Staley happy hours those are real good ones yeah 8 16 a.m is number seven eight is electricity electricity is nine awesome. is champagne and ten do you know what it is ten beyond the gray sky is that a good one or a bad one that's a good one. Well, it'll, hard, it'll be hard-pressed for me to say that I don't like any 311 song, but it's that one I will say is not one of my favorites. I think because I heard it live so many times, it's like one yeah. they always play live. I wonder if uh, 311 has ever gone to Australia. Well, according to Mike, <laughs> not lately. Oh. I don't think I don't know if they've ever been there, really. They might have once, but not, not <laughs> often, unfortunately for Mike, because he's missing out on a great live performance. I wonder if uh, Mike has ever seen them live. I don't think so. No. Unless I'm but wrong. He, he like just wasn't in the area or something? Yeah, because they, oh, oh, they don't wait, tour yeah. there. <laughs> oh, oh, they've never been there. That's the thing. I don't know if they've never been there, but lately, the last 10 years, I don't think they've been there. No. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, Australia is big, too. It's a big continent. So I'm sure he lives like, like out somewhere and then they're playing like a big city so he has to like drive like three hours it'll be so worth the trip it, yeah i mean it'll be worth the trip but it's not something he can just do yeah but like i said he'd have to make the effort to see them live if it is far away <laughs> he won't be disappointed so hard to nail down a top 10 and i would like to say also say the friday afternoon that's a good one from the new album oh that's a Three Eleven song. Yeah, he's saying his oh. honorable mentions. I think here. Oh, simple, true, and tranquility from Stereolithic. Is that the one with the green cover? No, that's their latest album. <laughs> oh, what's the one with the green cover? Sound system is the name. So, oh, sound system. It's all these S's. Yeah. <laughs> Transistor, Stereolithic, sound system, sound system. <laughs> I think that's the only uh, ones with their S's as far as album names. <laughs> Are quickly becoming favorites. Dane, maybe next time you go brush off. <laughs> See if you can track down some 311 CDs. You won't regret it. We'd love to hear your choices, Tim. Well, unfortunately, I got uh, Jingle All the Way, the <laughs> Schwarzenegger movie with Sinbad and uh, Tim McGraw. Hey, yeah, you should have do a 311 CD in there where you would have been a lot better off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Gives me gives me bad memories. But Tim, <laughs> what's your top uh, three eleven songs? Well, definitely my all time favorite song is called Uncalm. Come original? <laughs> Not come original. It's called. It's the only one I know. Uncalm from the album From Chaos. That's when I first heard that song. I, it blew me away. Great harmonies and melodies in that song. I, I just love it. And I don't know if I could create like an official top ten, but I do have like my favorite songs from each album. There is 12 of them so, from their Omaha sessions. Today, my love from music, visit grassroots Omaha style from the blue album, sweet transistor use of time, sound system flowing. And like I said, from, from chaos on calm, then evolver reconsider everything. Don't tread on me. Whiskey and wine from uplifter. It's all right. Universal post trouble. And then from stereolithic ebb and flow. Those would be like my favorite songs from each of those albums, plus countless, countless other ones that, like Mike said, impossible to create a top ten almost. But those are gives you an idea of some of my favorite ones. My favorite three eleven songs are Come Original and Love Song. You just said Love Song pushed you to sleep, so I'll accept Come Original, but I know you're thinking about Love Song. Okay, it is uh, Electricity, Tim. Okay, yeah, that's a great song. 
but Mike closes the email and he says, Till next time, Viva La Revolution. <laughs> awesome. You should put that on our um on our cover art. Yeah. <laughs> but, but spell it like the, the the Spanish way with the C instead of the T. <laughs> you ever seen that? Gotta find the right font for it. <laughs> yeah. uh, thanks uh, for sending your top three eleven choices, Mike. I was curious to see what were your favorite songs. Well, apparently, yeah. Apparently, next time wasn't that far long yeah. or far away, <laughs> uh, because the next day, one fourteen fifteen. He sent in another email, or as Mike would put it, 14115. He says, hi, guys. This question came to me after I sent the last email, but it was bugging me, and I thought you guys could answer it for me. I was watching Revenge of the Sith last night, and in the scene where Anakin meets up with Palpatine at the Star Wars circus. (laughs) (laughs) It was actually a ballet. (laughs) Ballet slash opera type show. By the... um, Mon Calamari. It's the Mon Calamari uh, belly. And they talk... Oh, I was watching Revenge of the Sith last night, and in the scene where Anakin meets up with Palpatine at the Star Wars Circus, and they talk about Darth Plagueis and his ability. It's not Darth Plagueis. It's Darth Plagueis the Wise. <laughs> you gotta put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> and his ability, his ability to save people from death. In this scene, Palpatine also says Plagueis could manipulate the Metachlorians, Probably spelled that wrong. Yes, you did, Mike. <laughs> they create life. We I get the <laughs> I get the impression that Sidious was the the apprentice for Plagueis. And my question is, did Palpatine learn the creation ability from him? And did he make Shmi pregnant him? Well Good questions. We uh, go I will take the first head. one. <laughs> yes, I will take ahead. the first one and you can take the second one. Okay. Yes, Sidious was Plagueis' apprentice. And if you read uh, Darth Plagueis, which I highly recommend, it's a slow start, but once you get into it, it it's pretty awesome, it's, especially the last part, because like the last part, you wouldn't even think to consider what's happening at the end. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Um, yeah, S- Sidious was Plagueis's apprentice. Of course, it was secret, so um, Sidious was kind of like the secret agent agent if you will of um of Plagueis he mani- he penetrated manipulated the uh the senate and created a false war uh, yep so good <laughs> but yeah for the second question about um, him learning to create life and if he made me pregnant this is also explained in Plagueis where technically what Palpatine and what Plagueis did they did not make me pregnant but which is cool I just love this whole aspect of it where they were doing stuff with the Force that was unnatural, like Palpatine told Anakin with the dark side, trying to manipulate the middle of and create life and save life and all that stuff, that because of what they were doing and going deep into the dark side, it caused the Force to react to that. And with that reaction, the Force itself created or got Shmi pregnant with Anakin. Thus, Anakin was created in response to what Plagueis and Palpatine did with the dark side. So they didn't technically make Shmi pregnant. They didn't know about it. But what they did, did uh, cause the reason for her to become pregnant with Anakin, which is really cool. I just love the idea of the Force kind of knowing stuff's being done with the dark side that shouldn't be done. And they have to, re- has to respond to it. And thus, the Legend of the Chosen One came about. So that's how that gets explained in the book. And maybe we should put this out there, too. 
that the whole revision of canon and all that right now Darth Plagueis technically is considered legends and not official canon but in the new Tarkin novel that came out they've made some references to Plagueis not necessarily every single detail but enough to make you think that for the most part I think that book the big story points from there are going to remain canon so as Dane said it's a high recommend for reading if you want to get more into Palpatine the Sith and the dark side and all that stuff it's really good yeah, if you're really interested in the Sith, read that book. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, it might be a little slow burn in the first few chapters, but once he meets Palpatine, that it starts picking up and doesn't slow down. Yeah, like the the whole scene. Uh, I'm not giving anything away, but that whole scene with the um, Zabrak. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, what's going on here? Um, but yeah, p- pick that book up. And I thought uh, George Lucas... Has always said that the story of Anakin's birth was supposed to be like the story of Jesus. Yeah, I mean they did make comparisons to that. I think a lot, yeah. a lot of media was based too, or a lot of people, like the media, always said that also. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, thanks uh, for your email, Mike. We always appreciate uh, your emails, even though, even if you are the Zodiac killer. <laughs> um, you know, that's fine. Uh, just you might want to consider turning yourself in to the authorities. <laughs> but at the same time, too, still continue seeing, sending us emails with questions for Star Wars and 311 stuff. So don't let is, uh, is uh, Mike married? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, Tim? No, I don't know. Oh, like he has a family. Oh, that that'll be weird. But um, yeah. Anyway. We're going to move on to, unfortunately, Corbin. Mike, <laughs> we... Now I miss you. Now I miss reading your emails because we have, unfortunately, Corbin to do. <laughs> to read. And let's just get through this. All right. <laughs> um, no. Uh, Corbin just sent in a list of his... <laughs> he sent the shopping list. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty long email, but we'll read it because we always like emails. So, his top three writers of uh, 2014 is Scott Snyder. Duh. Not necessarily a duh. Kyle yep. Higgins. <laughs> Two is Kyle Higgins. Awesome Nightwing and Batman Beyond 2.0. Three, James Tinian. His backup stories, Eternal and the Annual, were all awesome. Top three artists of 2014. Carl Kershaw. So different and inventive from the DC house style. Two, Greg Capullo, Keeps Kicking Butt. Francis Manipal on uh, uh, Detective. I think that should be reversed. That should be number one. (laughs) (laughs) Top three issues of 2014. Gotham Academy, number three, the best of the series so far, and the most fun I've had. Batman, number 32, is Batman, number 33. Alfred hopes for Bruce. Alfred's hopes for Bruce. Give me the feels. Three, Grayson number five sold me on this series. If you haven't read it, I highly suggest you do. Well, at least it's good to know there's some high point in there, but still, I just can't get past knowing what happened. (laughs) That issue 30 really ruined a lot for me. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe I'm being a little too stubborn and not giving it a chance, but it's like I got to spend my money on other comics that I think I'd enjoy more. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) 
All right, so now for my sequel to the Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. I've been waiting for this for Corbin's email <laughs> to see what it is. All right, doing. hopefully it matches yours, Tim, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, let's see if I approve. <laughs> I would propose this to DC as a digital first series, part one, Nightfall. We pick up two years after Rises. Robin slash John Blake is still Batman. He hasn't died despite his lack of training. But there is a reason for that, and we will discover that along with him. He has a creepy-looking Batman suit. He's made many changes to it to help him. He gets pretty brutal when beating up thugs, but he acts like the John Blake we know when he's out of the costume. And Tim, why don't you take the rest? (laughs) (laughs) Will do. The Drake family moves into town and buy out Wayne Enterprises, becoming the new owners of the company. They constantly have business dealings from Thomas Elliott, Oswald Cobblepot, and Lex Luthor. The Wayne Mansion is housing orphan children, one of them is a boy named Dick Grayson, 12 years old. He's picked on because he's a circus boy. Dick follows frequent visitor detective John Blake to the entrance to the cave one day, and after some time ends up becoming Batman's first sidekick. And because of some strange combat training he had in the circus, he is able to hold his own. Barbara has moved back to Gotham from Chicago to help her father. She's about 16 years old and loves the Batman. She dresses up as Batgirl on Halloween and ends up fighting an embarrassing villain named Killer Moth. During his getaway, he sets a building on fire and is severely burned. He changes his name to Firefly. He's later taken down by Batgirl with the help of Batman and Nightwing. Five years later, Batman, Nightwing, the name Dick has taken up, and Batgirl are trying wait, to... Wait, wait, wait. Is this all one movie? No, this is a comic story. He's a digital comic series. Or, or is this like... No, okay. Yeah, I think it'll be broken up into several chapters. It's safe to assume. Yeah, it's like one long book. <laughs> Unless it's one big graphic novel. But, yeah. <laughs> but he goes, uh, Batman, Nightwing, and Batgirl are trying to find a villain named Clayface who was infiltrating and stealing information from corporations. Clayface is so good at disguises that no one knows what they really look like. Clayface is then trading the information to Riddler in exchange for payment that Nigma gets from hacking bank accounts. Those two eventually end up getting caught despite the Riddler's job at the GCPD. Clayface ends up being a woman named Jane Doe. At this time, John also meets a woman named Andrea Bowant. A few years after that, Nightwing strikes out on a, strikes out on his own as he goes to college, and Dick references a kid at the, orf, uh, at the orphanage to be the new psychic of Batman, hoping he can be helped. Jason Todd joins the team and calls himself the Red Hood after an old gang in Gotham. His more aggressive temperament is only fueled by his, this Batman's personality. The team then turn their attention to someone who is called the Phantasm. The Phantasm is the angel of death, the execution of any who pose a threat to the Order of St. Dumas. John Blake learns that he was supposed to take that role, that, that he was bred to be the Order's agent. He also comes to terms that he has a split personality and that wearing the suit triggers it. He literally becomes another person when wearing the bat suit. However, they are never able to catch the phantasm as the ghost mysteriously vanishes along with the order. I think that's the end of his uh, pitch for his first Batman uh, Nolan trilogy story. And then he goes on to say, I tried my best to emulate that Nolan, what Nolan built. Take these comic book themes and apply them to our world, while also touching on real world problems. I also tried to pick villains that made sense in this world, to the characters and to certain themes. With Barbara, I chose Killer Moth because that was her, that's where her origin was from in the comics. I turned him into Firefly because I thought he was the same guy when I was a kid, and it makes sense for him to turn more extreme after being humiliated. I chose Riddler because it was challenged the detective side of John Blake, and Clayface because it was a fun idea I had. 
Phantasm, I'll get to in a bit. When I catched Rises for the first time, I thought John Blake was going to be revealed as Jean-Paul Valley. So I'm rolling with that idea. Plus, it would explain why he wouldn't die right off the bat. The idea of showing Dick Grayson in the circus can sometimes feel campy, so I displaced him in the orphanage, already being done with the circus and dealing with the death of his family. Although he's not called Robin, he still was Batman's first official sidekick, so I feel alright with this change. Jason Todd isn't called Robin either, but we'll hit on that later. I would just be weird. It would just be weird to pick the name of the your mentor, Robin John Blake, to your uh, hero persona. I really like the Riddler and Arkham origins, so I went off that. And Clayface actually being Jane Doe makes the most sense for this world. We can't really have a giant sludge monster in this universe, but I still wanted Clayface. Now on to the Phantasm. In Islamic culture, Azrael means angel of death. In a massive Phantasm, Andrea constantly says, your angel of death awaits. It just made sense to make the Phantasm an agent for the Order of St. Dumas, and a mirrored image of what John Blake could have become. Next, the Dark Knight Returns. Okay, man, this is just cool that you thought of this whole uh, plot synopsis and details for this story, Corbin. <laughs> Hats off to you there. You I must think... be bored at yeah. work, Corbin. <laughs> I will say for this, I think there's ideas that I think are pretty cool, but there's one thing that's bugging me. This might just be me. I think since John Blake kind of encompassed all the Robins into his character, like we talked about before, you could have a sidekick, but I think for this Nolan universe... There's a bunch of the pains me to say it shouldn't. There shouldn't be a Dick Grayson, a Tim Drake, or a Jason Todd, since John Blake was kind of supposed to be all those characters into one in a way, since his name was Robin. So I, I like the idea of someone from the orphanage and Wayne Manor becoming a sidekick, but I would put that as a new character instead of having it be Dick, Jason, or Tim. And one thing I really like, I like what he did with Clayface being the Jane Doe. Because it's not too long ago, we got some good uh, stories with Jane Doe. That one was her and Bullock, <laughs> where she was like supposed to be his love interest. Right. If they did something like that, kind of twisted into Clayface, I think that would be a good way to do it. Like he said, kind of in a Nolan-esque way where you're taking aspects for the character, but making it a little different. So all that stuff was cool. So yeah, I think it's some good stuff in there, Corbin. Looking forward to see where it goes with the Phantasm. That one caught me off guard a little bit. Like, I don't know with Blake and the Order of St. Dumas, but I think there's stuff in there that can make it work, especially with your uh, parallel with the Phantasm and Azrael and all that. So I am intrigued, but hats off to you. <laughs> it was pretty cool to read that. All right, so Corvin sent in an email, so that means we read Corvin's tweets. Tweets from Corbin. Tweets from Corbin. I, mean. <laughs> I feel Corbin needs theme songs. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, Corbin needs a theme song, and tweets from Corbin needs a theme song. <laughs> yeah. uh, but really, if you're a Spider-Man fan or are considered considering getting into Spider-Man, Blue is a must-read. I keep going hearing for, that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, going for another touchdown. Thirty second seconds left was cheap. Just down the ball, end the game. You got the win. Come on. Mayor? Meyer? <laughs> it's football. I'm, I have no clue. <laughs> yeah. uh, read Tim Settle and Jeff Loeb's Spider-Man Blue today. It is the best Peter Parker story ever. So good. Made me tear up at the end. Wow. Corbin was almost crying, Tim. That's got to be a book to read then. <laughs> I know. It makes Corbin cry. Geez, Image Comics is kicking butt with all the new announcements today. Pretty soon they could be all I'm getting. I don't trust children. They're here to replace us. 
That might be the best tweet of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> when I start loving a new song, I'll f- I find I'll listen to it on repeat for an hour. Anyone else crazy like that? Uh, sorry, Corbin. Not me. <laughs> I'll listen to it maybe three times in a row at the most, but never for an hour. Uh, taking a break from comic reviews for a little while, but I'll definitely be doing stuff for at Batman Universe when I'm ready to come back. I noticed he hasn't been reviewing yeah. for a while. Which is unfortunate, I, but I, I just realized, <laughs> yeah, I just realized that I spent a week plotting out the next 70 years of Nolan's Dark Knight Universe and no one will ever see it. But we're going to give it to the world now that you're sending us our, those emails, <laughs> so it will get yeah. out there. <laughs> Oh, I guess uh, uh, Dustin is looking for new uh, comic reviewers. I guess so. I know there's books are still getting reviewed, so I think he's yeah. found some people. Watching The Great Mouse Detective and watching my childhood flash before my eyes. Good, he didn't say childhood ruined. <laughs> yeah. And Tim, you will like this one. Clara, Sierra and I finished season one of Young Justice and are devastated that season two isn't on yet. I think I replied to that saying, just wait till it gets to season two or something, <laughs> knowing well, the series is over. All right, one more from Corbin. Let's see, let's see. They put an air freshener in the bathroom at work, so now it smells like crap rubber flowers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Corbin, for uh, everything that you do, sending in your emails and stuff and your Dark Knight Rises theory. And now we can move on to our comic book reviews. Right, Tim? It's that time again. All right. So spoilers. There's going to be a lot of spoilers in here. So if you you haven't – is that another siren? I don't hear anything, so I think you're good. Okay. Uh, I guess people need to get to the hospital. People are dying and need to get to the hospital. So They should take our podcast nothing... into account before they do that. Though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, spoilers. There's going to be a lot of spoilers in here. So if you don't want to be spoiled, if you haven't read your books yet, you might want to come back to this section later. So for this week, we have Batman Eternal Recap Issues 39 through 41 and Detective Comics number 38. And rating scale. What are we going to pick for this episode? Oh, man. What was funny that we talked about? We talked about a lot of funny stuff, actually. Uh, how about plot holes in Jaws? Or how about violent uh, Jaws scenes that had to be edited out for Jim? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Okay. So, Batman Eternal. Issues 39 through 41. I'll say this. Batman Eternal has been kind of a mess for me the last month or so, I would say. <laughs> I got an issue. I fell behind a little bit, and then one week my comic store didn't get the shipment in, so I missed an issue there. Then I went back to get caught up on my comics. I forgot an issue, so I missed an issue, and I'm kind of lost in what happened in other issues. So <laughs> Batman Eternal hasn't been on a strong point for me right now. And for issues 39 through 41, they actually haven't been that great. And it's kind of unfortunate because it's been on a roll. I just think they're kind of close to the end right now. And, but at these three issues in particular, it's starting to feel like it's dragging a little bit. I'm just getting the feeling, okay, let's go. Let's get to the big threat here. Because really, issues 39 and 40, there's about three specific things. You got Batman trying to hunt down the Riddler who's leaving him clues to his location. And Batman's trying to find him because he thinks he knows who's behind 
this whole thing that's been going on in Gotham since the beginning with Bard and all that. So you got that. Then you have Vicki Vale talking with her editor-in-chief at the Gotham Gazette, kind of confused on what to do next because of what she found out about, found out about Bard. And then you have a thing that I'm kind of lost on, I think, since I missed, <laughs> I think, issue 38, where some of the villains like Mr. Freeze, Scarecrow, Clayface, they're all kind of banding together, and someone's uh, got them together to go into one of Batman's weapon caches and to get all his uh, equipment and stuff, like his weapons, to different technology stuff, or st- stuff he uses and the technology that he uses for his suits and all that stuff. So those are the three main story points here, and I just really felt that. Uh, come on, we don't need to add more stuff to this. The stuff with the villains really didn't grab me as far as something that we need to have at this point in the story. It's just something new that they felt like they put in there and they're just adding to it. And then with the Riddler, like he's not, to me, he's just there to, like I said, to extend the story. If he was to be the main threat behind all this, okay, that's one thing. But if it's just another filler thing to get Batman to do something else before they make the big reveal, it's like, come on, let's just <laughs> get going here. It reveal the big threat and have Batman have a, an extended confrontation with him, have that last longer than when it would instead of, throwing in these other villains here just to, for the sake of it and to make it last a little bit longer with someone else. So I just really didn't like the flow of these two issues. The only other some significant thing that happened was with Vicki Vale. There was an intern who was in the conversation with her and her editor. He leaves, but then he comes back and he shoots um, the editor-in-chief there, and then he starts to, to go after Vicki Vale, but she's able to stop him from killing her. But that was, I guess, kind of interesting <laughs> to Vicki Vale to go through some uh, trouble in this because she's hasn't she's been involved with certain things but she never faced too much danger so there was that then seeing batman trying to get the rid take down the riddler was pretty fun riddler's kind of scared he doesn't want to go back to gotham but batman drags him there uh he gets he falls there's like an avalanche that happens in the mountains that they were in and riddler like falls into the snow but then he gets lifted up lifted up through the bat plane and starts freaking out because he doesn't want to go back to gotham then the other thing is that catwoman comes with all the villains who, like I said, were taking all of Batman's weapons and equipment. She was kind of to lead him there. With, she was there with Croc, and they kind of don't like how she's supposed to be in charge of all the crime families in here. They're not down with that, I guess. So they, when she gets in a car, they fire at a bazooka at the car and explode, and it explodes, and they think she's dead. But she escapes, and they kind of go out their own way. And there's some mysterious man talking to them through a speaker who, I guess, is supposed to be the main threat but we haven't got the reveal yet. It's like I said, just again, dragging more things out. There's one funny part here visually that I like where you see Clayface, of course, they're going through all the Batman stuff and he puts on the cow and it's just sitting on him. It's like on this big pile of mud and you see the cow and the cape on it. It looks funny, but it works because in one panel you see him shapeshift into Batman. He now has the cow, so it worked that way. So I thought that was pretty cool. And so for these two issues, issues 39 and 40, they kind of felt the same to me. I just really wasn't into them. Like I said, it it felt like they were dragging. So I'm just going to give both of these issues. Well, I'll give 39 a two out of five, two out of five violent Jaws sequence that uh, my parents had to edit out for me. And number 40, I'm going to give two and a half. It was a little more entertaining. So, but then issue 41, this is trying to wrap up. Yeah. I've been meaning to, um, ask Mike this. I don't know why I don't do it over Twitter or something. But, uh, <laughs> or when we're talking about Mike instead of my comic book reviews. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully he listens to this part. But Is uh, the Blooming Onion 
an Australian, like really an Australian thing, or is it just like an Americanized version of uh, what we think Australians eat? Stay tuned for the next email from Mike to find out the answer. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, if it isn't, I know exactly what you feel like because Hawaiian pizza is disgusting. Nobody <laughs> puts pineapple on their pizza with ham. My brother I, likes that type of pizza. I hate it. That is disgusting. Yeah, I don't like it. I've never had it. I don't know any, but I, I've lived here all my life. I was born and raised here, and I still live here. And a lot of people over here, I don't know anybody that eats that. So I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean if it's just a thing, you know. <laughs> well, like I said, we'll find out next email. <laughs> but speaking, what what you said, blue onion, was it? Where this next issue for Batman Eternal 41, there's a lot of blue in this one <laughs> because the trying to wrap up that storyline from that blue nanovirus that's infecting all the children of Gotham. So we got Red Robin, Batgirl, and Red. Oh Girl. no, sorry, sorry, it's the blooming onion. Okay, blooming. so onion that's cut has the cut the, the the top cut off of it. Well, and uh, it's kind of butterflies out. Well, you ruined my segue when you said it was. The blue onion. <laughs> now blue and it's, blooming uh, doesn't go it's with deep it. fried in batter. Well, at I, Outback Steakhouse. Well, I've never had it, so <laughs> yeah, I'm and, too familiar with it. And do you guys really call your women Sheila's? Because at Outback Steakhouse, the 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 bathrooms say like men and then Sheila's. <laughs> I'm just wondering because, I mean, as you can tell, I just went to Outback Steakhouse, so. <laughs> Uh, obviously, as we can tell, you're the only person that from Australia that I still talk to, because I knew one Australian person, a guy named Vivian. No joke, his name is oh, Vivian. Um, but I don't talk to him anymore, uh, because he moved back to Australia. But uh, so so you're the only person, like. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, <laughs> well, to sum up, Batman Eternal Forty One. It was a little better than 39 and 40. I'd probably just give it a three out of five violent jaws. See, this had to be edited out for me because it basically deals with Tim, Red Hood, and Batgirl trying to fight that nanovirus, and it ends up revealing that it's the Mad Hatter who's behind it all. And again, another villain added to this, <laughs> trying to drag out the story. But the main part of it was that they, all three of those heroes, get infected by the nanovirus, and then. Harper Rowe has to step in, and she makes her debut at the last page as Bluebird. So she's been teased for a while, but Bluebird is finally making her appearance in Batman Eternal. So that was kind of the saving grace for this issue. But other than that, these last two, three issues, yeah, disappointed with them, and kind of hoping things started to wrap up in a more uh, better fashion with the story as we try to figure out who the main threat is going to be and we can get it more simplified instead of get all this filler stuff. So, Batman, or Detective number 38, part two of the Anarchy storyline. And again, I'll just get this out of the way first. The artwork, great as ever, beautiful as ever. <laughs> I don't know much more I could say about it. That Francis Manipal and Brian Bucciolato just keep knocking it out of the park with every issue, and I just love it. I just love their Batman design. So, that's out of the way for the story. This issue picks up where Wayne Enterprises blew up from Anarchy, and we're wondering how Batman and all the civilians inside were going to escape. But it turns out, before Batman uh, went out of the building, 
he uh, put like an explosive containment compound into the sprinkler system before it went off. So that's what stopped him the explosion from causing major damage. But he has to make it back inside before everyone he saves suffocates <laughs> through all the foam, which of course he does. Then the main thrust of this issue is that Anarchy like makes a big broadcast to Gotham City that he's pretty much erased everyone's uh, records and files, like bank accounts and just all their personal records to give everyone a fresh start. Like this is Gotham's time to like for everyone to take back the city and do what they want. And he leaves a present for everyone there with a blank uh, anarchy mask that he uses kind of uh, to represent that like you're free to do whatever you want. It's, this symbolizes your freedom is what he says. So you just know trouble's going to ensue in Gotham with that. Um, I just felt the issue was a little slower than the previous one. There was a moment where uh, there was a TV show with a councilman from Gotham kind of saying he needs to run for mayor because he doesn't think anarchy is all that bad. What he's really standing for is like for the people of Gotham. We need to recognize that. And But you kind of get the feeling that he's somehow involved with this. Maybe he actually like could be part of anarchy's game or involved with him. Or maybe he is anarchy and they're trying to play it as a mystery. So that, that, this, that sequence felt a little not I don't want to say out of place because I'm sure it's gonna uh, come to it's gonna have a place in the story later down the line I will say but it just felt a little slow as far as the pace of the issue goes for me because then Bullock confronts him and he shows him these pictures of these kids that he's saying it looks like they're like mugshots for these kids and they were found in one of Anarchy's murdered victims briefcases and the councilman dismisses it so you get the feeling that he's involved with this somehow and then the other I guess negative you could say i don't know because i kind of wish the story was just mainly focusing on uh what's going on with anarchy but you still got batman figuring out what mad what's up with mad hatter and those uh, skeletons of children he found in the first issue under the ice of the ice and the water there so he goes to mad hatter's cell trying to get information from there and then before that we actually see a, a sequence with matches malone as he confronts this kid who he knows hacked into Wayne Enterprises before, and he was thinking, okay, this person might know, uh, might be involved with anarchy and help him get hacked into Wayne's systems before. So, But the kid says he didn't. He's away from that, but he's still kind of something where he's agreeing with what anarchy's doing and agrees that everyone should have a clean slate and kind of go along with that. So after that, that's where Bruce goes to the Mad Hatter, but then there's a bank robbery going, bank robbery going on with all these people kind of taking advantage of what anarchy has done and just doing whatever they want because everyone has to clean slate. Now, that was a pretty cool action sequence. You get Batman bursting through the bank in his Batmobile, taking out these bank robbers. And then there's a chase sequence between Batman and the police and these robbers. And how the issue ends is where, uh, as the police are chasing the suspects and Batman's following them on the rooftops, the kid he was talking to before is Matches Malone. He's walking down a corner, and he's about to bump into the murder or the bank robber suspect. And uh, he's firing back at the police. So Bullock and his partner, she fires at him. Instead of hitting the suspect, it hits the kid Bruce met as Matches Malone earlier on. And everyone sees him. They're kind of reacting. Oh, no, Batman killed a kid. No, the cop shot an unarmed, unarmed man and all that stuff. So the, the last picture was a splash page was uh, the art was a splash page of Batman just laying on the kid's body who was shot. And then Bullock and his partner just in shock. So curious to see where it's going to go there. It's going to lead to anything where... Batman gets blamed for it, or is it mainly going to be Bullock and his partner gets blamed for it? And then, of course, Anarchy will probably take advantage of that. So this issue, I felt there was a little bit too much. I don't want to say too much going on, but I don't think it needed the two separate stories, the thing with Mad Hatter and Anarchy. I mean, I have confidence that they'll probably make it work, and maybe they'll intertwine and connect together somehow. 
Because it is Detective Comics, after all, and Batman's definitely using his detective skills to see what Mad Hatter is going up against, and at the same time trying to figure out anarchy. So um, I just thought as an issue, it just wasn't as strong as the first part. So I'm going to give this one three and a half out of five uh, violent Jaws scenes that had to be edited out for me as a kid. It's still a solid issue, though, and the stories still continue to be good. Still a lot of scenes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, your parents could have been film editors. Because, yeah. <laughs> man, they had to cut a lot of scenes out of Jaws. Uh, it could have been uh, the part with uh, Quint getting eaten, the part where you jump where their, that boat and that body comes down yeah. <laughs> they're scuba diving in. The guy with the shark. I mean, the guy with the capsized boat. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Those three scenes I couldn't watch. Or or the, the girl in the beginning that goes uh, swimming. Yeah, <laughs> well, they didn't really show anything. As far as her getting... Oh, yeah, it was all underwater, yeah. Or it had to be edited out for the nudity. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or... No, that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> I got to see some of the good parts of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Or, or what about uh, the, the fat kid on the float? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was a fat kid, was it? Yeah, yeah, the, the yellow uh, floating bed thing. Yeah, well, I thought the kid wasn't fat. Oh, I thought he was fat. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, did that have to be edit, edited out? Well, the blood did come out of the water there, so that could yeah. be one. Yeah, I saw the G-rated version. <laughs> <laughs> and that movie was only like PG, I think. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> probably PG-13 nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's uh, that's it for this podcast. Um, head over to tweakedaudio.com, and if you need new headphones, buy from there. And when you do... Make sure to enter the promo code TBU saves and you can get 33% off your entire order and free worldwide shipping. So just go over to tweakedaudio.com. And also go to the BatmanUniverse.net and uh, visit them on Facebook at facebook.com slash BatmanUniverse or on Twitter. Twitter handle is at BatmanUniverse and you follow all of us on Twitter. Uh, the show's Twitter handle is at BatFans27. Uh, Tim's Twitter handle is at TimG. Three one one. Darn it! I had you back. <laughs> and uh, my Twitter handle is at Dane says banana. You can also find us on iTunes as well as all the other Bat- the Batman Universe podcasts, where you can rate and review us, and you can rate and review them. Uh, and you can send in an email at batfanswithoutpants at gmail dot com. And you can visit our dead Facebook page at <laughs> facebook dot com slash batfanspodcast. I still get Rob chiming in every once in a while. It's on, it, it's on live support. It's not quite dead. Maybe I should friend Mike on uh, Facebook. That's yeah, true. Rob, I mean, Mike gives us some thumbs up too. So, like I said, it's on live support. <laughs> just yeah. Not... Yeah, maybe I should friend him just as a thanks or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, you want another follower that won't bother you? Yeah. <laughs> it just looks good on your friend list. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but also, too, thanks to Mark for sending in those featured topic suggestions. Oh, yeah. It was a fun uh, topic to discuss. So anyone else who wants to suggest any featured topics for future episodes, just let us know. Yeah, thank you, Mark. We love you, man. Like a brother. Like a brother. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, like we said at the end of every podcast, we love everybody that listens to this podcast. Just remember, you're never alone in this world. Tim and I care about you and love you. Right, Tim? That is the one constant in this universe. <laughs> yes, it is. Tim and I love you and care about you. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> so long. <laughs> <laughs>
farewell. Bye. <laughs> I'm just nailing all of those goodbyes. Uh, the only way to say goodbye. Bye. All goodbye. <laughs> Sunday.